Welcome back to the BMX in Our Blood. The music in the background is from the Lost in Translation soundtrack, which I thought was kind of fitting, because if there's one person that might be lost in translation, that would be Mike Savage. I do my best to really dig under the surface of the International Man of Mystery and get into why he does what he does and what his ultimate goals are and what drives him to keep moving forward with BMX at 51 years old, almost 52. He's been racing almost 40 years, so it's pretty impressive. So take a listen. And lastly, we are a little over two months away from the Kevin Robinson Find Your Fight Jam. So I'm in full mode of looking for donations through bike manufacturers or shops, anyone that wants to be involved. This event will also be somewhat of a mountain bike event as well. So we are trying to get as many people through that gate as possible and have plenty to do for BMX riders and mountain bikers. So if you have anything that you think might be of help for the silent auctions, the raffles, all of that, please let me know through email at jp, as in Paul, Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y, 70 at gmail.com. Or just direct message me through GromDad2000 on Instagram. So everyone have a great week. Enjoy the interview. And next week we'll jump into Pauly Pirate, a really amazing guy that is doing amazing things that we'll talk more about next week. Thank you all for listening as always. Take care. Phone interviews, I'm picking people to talk to that I really don't know. Right. You know what I mean? And, well, even if I didn't know someone, at least if I'm doing it face-to-face, I got to know them through this, like through this interaction. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. But anyway, so welcome to the BMX in Our Blood. I'm here with Mike Savage. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, and Joe. Despite what people say, I don't, I don't agree with the Man of Mystery thing because I can find you anytime I want. But maybe it's just easier for me. I don't know. Uh that's because you sort of know where to look for me. Yeah. Because you know I live in the area, so it's easy for you to find me. Yeah, yeah. But when I show up out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. I mean, they never know I'm coming, so... Oh, so that's the... Yeah. That's where that all came from, is you just showing up at a track and yes. people just didn't even expect yes. it. So it's yeah. like a surprise. See, you know I'm going to be at Bethel on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not like it's a shock that I'm at Bethel on a Wednesday night or... Yeah. But you've always been accessible ever back since we were teenagers because we would go chase you down at the Bristol at Connecticut Bike Exchange or yeah. wherever. I mean, I or riding trails. I mean, so to me, it's funny to hear that because you're not a mystery to me, but I get it. I, yes. I, get, I get where it comes from. And and if do you like the nickname? Sure, you, yeah, why not? Are you good with it? Yeah, I'm cool with it. There's worse ones that could be oh, given. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> You've probably heard them. <laughs> Who knows? No, not. No, people. Not, are, no, people are cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm in on the joke most of the time, so. Yeah. Right, you know. right. Sasquatch, you good with that? Oh, yeah, that's like hilarious. That's <laughs> Colin Styles and all those guys. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. man. And remember we did that picture, was it at Bethel last year? Where you're yes. lurking around yes. the minute? I did send that to Colin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, in the fall, I was on tour in Oregon. So, driving down the street, yeah. and there's a sign that says, Sasquatch Crossing, with a Sasquatch and two little kids behind it. I was like, I have to take a picture of me standing next to this sign and send it to Colin. <laughs> so, got out of the car, put my jersey on, yeah. back to the camera, right. like peeking around the sign, looking down the road, right. like of the Sasquatch <laughs> Crossing sign, and sent it to Colin. Oh, that's funny. And he posted it on his thing going, only those that know, know. Oh, and like right, everybody right. was like, did he cross the road? Did he not cross the road? I'm like... I kind of remember that now. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it was like the perfect, op- you know, it's like, okay, that has Colin's name all over it. Just right. Sasquatch Cross. You know, I was like, okay, me and that sign, we belong in a picture. That's, that's too funny. God. Um, I know I'm going to get cold just sitting here. We're old now, so we get cold easy. Yes, we do. That's why I brought a hoodie, and I got, like I said, I got pants in the car. Um, all right, let's start. Let's start with the basics. So, what year did you start riding? Because that's different than the year you started racing, right? I'd say like 1976. So you would have been eight. I would going to be ten in 1976. Okay, got it. And then how how many years after that before your first race? I didn't race until 1981. Oh, wow. So I had a pretty big gap of... Wow. So you went five years on a BMX bike just well, doing around town? Well, not a real BMX, but a BMX-type look. What was it? Do you remember what it was? It was just basic department store bikes that I sort of, you know, right. took the fenders off, you know, changed right. handlebars. and. Could have been Huffy, could have been... I think I got a Huffy in 1977 with like the banana box looking seat with like yeah. the little mini sissy bar and a Did you But for me at the time to get anything real BMX yeah. there was no access to it. Right. And I had no money. I was like a 10-year-old kid or 11-year-old right. kid. When when did the first track open in Connecticut? I think Wilton was the first one in 1979. Oh, so you couldn't have raced anyhow when you first started in 76. Right, yeah. So it had been going for just only two years by the time yes. we started. And like I said, I think I got my first BMX Action magazine in 1978. Okay. Which, okay, it gave me, okay, there's tracks and there's things going on, but, you know, trying to get to a track, or, or a full shot, first I needed a bike. Right. I had no bike. Right. Like, a real bike. Yes, I had a bike, but, you know, wasn't a racing bike. Okay, then how am I gonna get? How am I gonna get a bike? How am I gonna get to the track? Where is a track? You know, it's yeah, you know you... now nowadays you think it's easy. You're like, oh, where's a track? You just Google just anything or right. Facebook, and you can find stuff. But 1978, okay, where, where are you gonna find that information? It's just not out there. It wasn't out you, there. How did you find it, Wilton? The Wilton track. I think we found out about the Meriden track when that opened in like 1979, 1980, the Meriden track opened. Okay. And I think we rode our bikes from, we rode our bikes there. I think it took us like an hour and a half, two hours to get there. So we found out, okay, yeah, there's a track here, but we didn't really know anything more than that. And then that sort of led in, we sort of found out, okay, there's a track in Wilton and we sort of got the information, and then somebody called, and we finally, okay, somebody took us there. 
okay, we didn't race, but we actually went there and rode. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. So that, I think that was 1980. And I okay. still didn't really have a real BMX bike. Mm -hmm. But I was in the process of, okay, I have a plan. Okay, I want to get a bike. Uh -huh. going to race. So I started building a Mongoose Super Goose. For some reason, I was a mongoose guy, so I had to have a yeah. mongoose super goose and with the tall head tube and everything. Or no, 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 no. no I'm thinking of the uh, which one am I thinking of with the tall head tube? That was a moose goose. Moose goose. That's no, right. no, that's no right. moose goose. Okay, I was gonna say, boy, that would be awkward. So it was a. It was so a I got the goose. frame and fork, and then okay, yeah. then you know, but I didn't have any money. I was delivering newspapers, making like what five dollars a week or something from mm -hmm. delivering newspapers. Right. So the process was like a slow process to get. You know, yeah. But I didn't really know what I wanted, so I, looking back on it, I bought a lot of ridiculous things. Just looking at magazines and being influenced by what, oh, this is cool, buy this, and I did. And you know, I'm a, I was a jumper, so it's like, yeah, okay, bullseye bottom bracket with Suntour VX cranks. I thought it was like a really cool setup. Yeah. Until it just totally destroyed the bottom bracket, and the cranks were creaking, and just. That was all aluminum, right? Yes. Yeah. So you did. did Obviously, you rode one-piece cranks for a little while. But well, I went back at once I destroyed the bullseye bottom bracket yeah. in 1981 after I had it for like two months or something. I went back to you see pictures from 1981. I'm running one-piece cranks. Yeah. Did, Korean, Korean ran oh, one-piece. A lot of people, they used to, ran one piece pros cranks. ran one-piece. I mean, I mean, there's pictures of Daryl Young running one-piece cranks. and Even just, after redline yeah. cranks were introduced and all that, right? Yeah, they, you know, at the time, you know, I had no other options. I didn't have money to buy flight cranks or anything good, so. Right. I had a pedal issue at the time because one piece, yeah, yeah, nine, no, what is it, half-inch pedal shafts. Right. I was a jumper, so I was breaking every pedal that. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, you know, a little half-inch shaft and pedals weren't really right. good at the time. They were just. Basically so you, junk from what I could afford and what I had access to. Right. So it was just like, okay. Basically bending spindles so you could feel it when you, well, actually when you screw them in the crank, you could feel it because they're Well, like, I think I had Excalibur little, I think I had like a composite body with a metal cage. And I think the spindle shaft where it went over the body was the size of a pencil. Yeah. I think they lasted me two weeks before I snapped it off and just found in flames and. Yeah. It's like, well, that didn't work. I, but I still had one-piece crank, so my pedal options were like, okay, yeah. It's kind of slim. Right. Wow. Then I think my first real pedal was like the Suntour XC2 little horseshoe-looking. Mm -hmm. Was my first real, okay, here's a pedal, okay. Still pretty flimsy, but okay, it worked a lot better than the garbage I was running. Right, right. Those were, weren't they black cages with a yes. aluminum yes. body? Yes. Or aluminum finished body. Well, they're aluminum. Yes. Wow. So, so you started in '81. Uh, oh, it was just novice or expert. Have? Novice and expert was the only thing they had. Oh, two classes. Yes. Was this what was the sanctioning body then? It was a Connecticut Association, the Bicycle Motocross Association, the BMA. And that's what Meriden and Wilton. No, Meriden was NEBA, the New England Bicycle Association. Mm hmm And the BMA was Wilton, Connecticut. Milford Riders, I think John Rohde ran the track. Mm -hmm. The Farmington Regional Track at the Farmington Dump. Yeah. Uh, Lime Rock? I think Lime Rock was 
it was NBA at one time, but then I think it switched to NEBA. Right. Somewhere along the lines of. So NEBA was absorbed by NBL, for the most part. How did that work? I think out? it was the other way around. Uh, no? Yes, yes. I think the B. I think the BMA tracks closed. Okay. I think Wilton ran one more year after the NBL came in in '82. Mm-hmm. But I think Milford Riders closed. I think the Farmington Dump closed. I think Meriden switched to NBL, and right. Guilford opened. South Windsor opened. Right. Twin City Raceway here in Winstead. Yeah. Yep that that opened in '82. Right. And oh, South Windsor. South right? Windsor, yes. Route Five BMX. Route Five BMX. So there was one other one, but I think this was when USA, not USA, USBA. Yes. Dove into BMX for a little bit because they had Northampton Indoor. Yes. And they also had was it Basra? There was tracks down in the Groton area, like Danielson. Yes. Groton. I think there was one in Groton. There was a couple tracks that were down that year. They were there before the USA BMX, but I never went to any of them. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, I was a 14, 15-year-old kid, and, you know, how am I going to get there, you know? It's, right. So I was more the easier tracks that were easier access for me to get to. Mm-hmm. You know, because I had to get a ride from somebody. Right. So it wasn't like, oh, yeah, just get in the car and go. It's like, no, you had to get a ride from somebody. Right. Luckily, there was enough kids in the neighborhood. We all raced. So, you know, their parents took us here. My parents took us here. And, you know, we all sort of traded off whose parents took us where. And that's how we sort of got around for the first two years of traveling. Not, not that we really traveled anywhere. We just stayed, little, you know, within, you know, an hour of our our base, you know, because we really couldn't, you know, we didn't really know anything. So that was 81 to 83 that that happened. So Right. Well, 82, I sort of started getting, you know, we started going, I think I went to Rhode Island in 81 for okay. the Ocean State Classic. Okay. Which I think the Skyway team showed up, the Patterson team showed up, like. Really? It was a national, but it was a double point race. I don't know why all these guys showed up, but it was like. It was weird. That was like the first big race I went to. I think that was in like September of 1981. But it was a national for pros? I don't think it was. I think it just had a pro purse. Oh, okay. And, you know, they just went where the money was at the time. From what I could gather, I was like, okay, why would the Skyway team come out? You know, it was a weird, you know. Was this like Andy Patterson then? Uh, Bob Medrano? It was like Steve Schobert. He was pro. Oh, right. It was, uh, I think, Bob Madrano was, I'm not sure if he was there. He might have been. Mm-hmm. But the amateur team, you know, the Pattersons. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it was like a national, like the Panda team. It was like a weird. Oh, I forgot about the Panda team. Yeah, it was like, it wow. was crazy. And what sanctioning body was that again? That was New, New England Bicycle Association. Okay, so same as some of the Connecticut tracks yes. at the time. And then that's, that quickly changed, I would imagine. Yes, once the NBL came in in 82, I mean, everything pretty much jumped ship to the NBL. So when I started racing in 83 at Westfield, NBL must have been brand new at Westfield. Yes. Wow, I didn't even know that. That's That's... Pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure when Westfield opened. They might have been another sanction before that. Yeah, right, right. Because their indoor track at Northampton used to be Worldwide BMX Association. Right, I remember you that. Yeah, WW, and then the thing, Kenny Amon was the national champ of everybody. It was like a total, 
everybody national championship. I think Kenny Amon was the top guy. Was for, he on Mongoose then? I think he was, yes. Yeah, because that guy used to kill it. Oh, yeah. Man. How long were you a novice before you turned expert in, from 81 on? I'd say less than two months. Isn't that amazing but it, to it, you it, now when you think about well, how long people stay novice now? It, well, it was different at the time. You really didn't want to be in the novice class at the time. Right. I mean, you your goal was to be with the big shots. Yeah. I mean, they weren't really big shots, but to a new kid like you, right. you saw the kids with the fancy uniforms right. that were like on teams, but they yeah. were all racing the expert class. Right. You know, and you were just in the novice class crashing in each other. You're like... Right. <laughs> But you always raced open back in the days. I mean, I raced open like every week just to be in with, you know, 14 over open. They had to have helped you. Oh, yeah, it did. Or, like I said, you wanted to be in with those guys. Right. Just because you were new, you know, it, it was different at the time. Uh-huh. You know, just looking back, it was like, okay, yeah, so you wanted to be in the expert class because that was the place to be. That was, you know, you were a big shot, you know, sort of looking at, you know. That's what we all wanted. We didn't want to be stuck yeah. in novice for long. Yeah, so I get, I think it was 10 wins or 10, I don't even think it was 10 wins. It was 10 top, no, it was, 10 it, top three finishes it, or whatever the BMA. I'm not sure. It was either 10 win. well, if it was NBL, I remember it yeah. being 10 wins or 20, a combination of 20 right. first, second, thirds. Right. So it was either whatever came first. Yes. I believe is the way the rule book said. But. Yes, but the being, being the BMA, the little Connecticut only association, I think mm-hmm. it was... I'm not sure what it was, because, but, yeah, I wanted I wanted out of the novice class as fast as I could get out of there, just to be in the big class. Right. So you advanced expert under NEBA, and then the you, BMA, the Connecticut BM, oh, Bicycle yes. Motocross Association. And then when MBL came in, they just honored that you were already an expert. Yes. And raced expert. I got it. Yes. So that's pretty wild because not too long after that. 84 is when they did when they used to do nationals on a Saturday and a Sunday at two different places. Yes. So I think 84, I know I did Westfield then Guilford. Was that the first year of MBL nationals in New England? Or was there an 83? Meriden in 83. Meriden in 83, okay. It was sponsored by Pepsi and it had big giant trophies. Mm hmm. Some, you know. Yeah. And they had them all out on the bleachers, all these big, I think Pepsi paid for them and they were big, giant, yeah. Tall trophies. They had a little small base on them, so if you put them on your carpet in your bedroom, they flop onto the floor. <laughs> but yeah, you know. So right. Yes, I think that was. I want to say that was eighty three. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because I did eighty four. I was a novice, right? Guy, and I remember going to. Oh no, it was Meriden, and yes. it, it was a, there was a lot of marble in the trophy. A lot. Yes. I remember it being a really heavy trophy. Yes. I don't, I don't know why I do with it, but it doesn't matter. I think the first NBL National in New England was mm-hmm. Claremont and Derry, New Hampshire in 1982, in June of 1982. So that, uh, now, NBL actually formed in Florida, right? So that was... In 75-ish, 74, 75, somewhere in that. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure of the exact time of that, but... So it was just spreading up the East Coast. Yes. Didn't get to Connecticut till 1982. Right. So you just rattled off a bunch of names of tracks that, or towns of tracks that I forgot about. And I was already at 11 or 12 before we started talking, because I was thinking before we started this how many tracks there were. But over time, not all at the same time, but there's probably been like 14 or 15 Connecticut tracks. 
There was one in Manchester that I never went to. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, I don't, don't know why I never went there, but... Uh, or was My it first real or? national was Lumpons, Delaware in April of 1982. Oh, okay. Yes. So you were already... Wow. So one year into your your second year... Yes. You were traveling... Only because the guy that lived up the street had two kids racing yeah he took us there oh that's awesome and he was a you know he was a he, he was a truck driver so he you know driving to delaware to him he's like you know i drive a truck all day so yeah you oh, want to go to delaware okay we're there in five hours okay let's go and he lived in the same town as you right down the road he lived like two minutes up the street from me oh that's awesome wow we all used to get rides I and mean, we yes. get rides all the time and you'll know this What's the black that? toyota pickup truck that i bought yeah i bought from that guy no way yes See, I remember when you bought that. Yes, I bought it from the guy that used to give us rides to, like, out-of-state races. All right. And he's the one that brought us to the Rhode Island Ocean State Classic in 1981. Oh, okay, cool. And we rode in the back of an El Camino, and I recommend never doing that. <laughs> never doing that. If All the way to Rhode Island? In the back of an El Camino <laughs> with four bikes and, you know, three guys, <laughs> three guys in the back, one guy in the cab, you know, Besides the driver and four bikes in the back of an El Camino all the way to Rhode Island and back. It was miserable. <laughs> Just wow. because you're in the windstream the whole entire right. time. Because an El Camino is short. Yeah. It's not like a pickup truck where right. the cab is. You're right. like in the wind. Like it was, oh, it was horrible. It's well, almost 40 years later and I'm still having a nightmare about it. Talking about it like right now. Wow. So, so you are, speaking of 40 years later, you, you're only... Uh, what, geez, three years now from from forty years of racing. Well, this is my thirty eighth season. Right, you know, if I you count it. this, it counts. You know, thirty eight. Yeah. You know, technically it's thirty seven years, but it's thirty seven or thirty eighth season. And you're fifty, right? Fifty one. You just turned fifty one. Well, I'm going to be fifty two later this year. Oh, got it. Okay. So, All right. So, and you never stopped, right? Never ever. Not even once. Nope. Not even for. Well, only for injuries. That's it. Yeah, but even then, I'm like the stupid, typical BMXer. I never let it get healed before I'm back on the bike. Right. So I was right. like, okay, I'm hurt. Okay, okay. Hardly, All right, I'm good enough to ride. Let's go. And then I'd ride. And I hardly ever remember you getting hurt. But maybe well, you hit there, it there's well. a difference between being hurt right, and right. being just like, okay, I got a sprained ankle or a sprained wrist or a right. thumb or right, a, right. you know, yes, I've had plenty of that. But being actually physically hurt, like broken bones. I broke my collarbone in 1982 at the Winstead Twin City track. Okay. Uh, Boy, where could you break it there? The place was just a whole lot of No, you know what happened? It rained. Yeah. So they ran the race in the rain. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been to that track. I I raced it, yeah. All right, so you... Yeah. This is when it had the S-turn, first turn. Yes. Then you sort of came out, and you started coming around the back. Mm -hmm. It had a speed jump around the corner going down towards the finish line dip. Yeah. And it was on a corner, but it was wet. And I speed jumped, and I hit that, and the back end slid as I did that and pitched me over the bars and lawn dart into my shoulder. And like, oh. Wow. And how, it, well, how long were you out? Do you remember? Do you remember what you Well, missed? I remember I had raced. I was racing class cruiser and open that day. Oh, I still sweet. raced all three classes that day. With their broken collarbone? Well, I was a 15-year-old kid, so, yeah, yeah, yeah it hurt, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I raced. I think I still won Cruiser. I won one of the classes. I got last in Open, and I got, like, fourth or fifth in... So Savage Snap has a whole different meaning now. 
Uh, yes, it does. The collarbone. <laughs> so the typical BMX guy, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm good. You know, it hurt, you know. And it's like, okay, that was Sunday. Monday, I'm still a good Tuesday. And one of my friends that I hung around, his mother was a nurse. And so this was like Tuesday. And she's like, well, what happened? what's wrong with you? And she's like looking at me. She's like, oh, that's broke. I'm like. Your shoulder was just hanging down? Oh, well, I had a lump out here. It looks like I had a, you know. A pig snout coming out of my shoulder, you know? So. A pig snout. You know, so I was like, oh, yeah. okay. So you go to the emergency room. It's like, oh, yeah, that's broke. Here, we'll put a brace on you. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll put the brace on me. And, of course, they put it on backwards. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that was the only real bone that was actually broke, broke. Right. But right. I think that only lasted for the recoveries like five weeks or something, and I was back. Yeah. Riding again, you know. It wasn't broken in more than one spot. No, it, it just, just had a nice... But then again... Uh, well, tracks are harder nowadays. Yeah. All these tracks got the skim on them or the slurry or their soil tack. So hitting the deck nowadays, it's like, okay, back in the day, the tracks were just loose dirt and just terrible. Right. So you had a little bit of cushion, you know. I still broke my collarbone, but... Right. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. So what was your first Grands? I went to the Grands in Louisville in 1984. First year, first year of Louisville was the first. Did you get a national number that year? I got 11. And they, they went to 20 in class, right? Yes. Land Cruiser, I think. Yes. I'm not sure when they switched to 20. They used to go to 10 in the yeah. MBL. Yes. I think. Yeah. Not sure what year, 81, 82. They went to 20. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten number 11, which. It was cool, you know. Right. Just getting anything, but the guys that finished ahead of me, it was like, okay, it was ridiculous. You know, I think Richie Anderson got number one. John Anderson on Redline got two. I think Mark Lopez from New Jersey got like three. It's just a list of me being 11. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm cool with 11. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it, you know. You're probably the only person from New England that even cracked the top 20. In 16, 17, I think I was. Yeah, because you were older than Mike Memory. Yes, by a couple of years. Yeah. All them. They were a little older. I'm sorry, younger. Yes. Uh, Who did you say? Uh, Demorrow. No, he was older. He he was was B Pro by then. Oh. He turned B Pro in like 81, 80. No, I think 81, because he's on the Jag World Championship video from like 1981, racing B Pro and Pro Trophy and. Or B Pro, yeah, they had a B Pro trophy. I bet you Dave McKnight was around though, right? Dave came around 82, 83. Was he racing nationals and grands at that point? In, in... I think by 84 he was. Okay, and Eric Turner probably. Yes, but they're all younger. Yeah, yeah. They're, oh, I think right. they're even younger than you. I think they're 45, 40. I think yeah. Dave's like 46 ish. Somewhere around there. Yeah, we're almost... I did race him, so yes. we're probably really close. So first Grands was Louisville, and you got a plate in just cruiser? Just cruiser. Oh, 20-inch, I... No, I got no plate in 20-inch. Must have been hard. Did you go back the next year? Did you keep... 85, I did get a number in both. I got 12 in cruiser, mm-hmm. and I think I got 17 in expert, 18 over expert in 1985. It had to have only been getting more and more difficult at that point because more and more people were racing. I mean, it was still, oh, yes. it was still yeah. building up. People were traveling from all over now. And the guys who were in my class at the time, they were on factory teams. Right. I mean, it was like, you know, Rick Palmer on full factory Diamondback, Kevin Hall on full factory GT, right. John Anderson on full factory Redline. Mm-hmm. You know, just 
you know, and those are just a couple of the big names I can think of right at the top of my head. Then you had like the next level guys. Yes, they were on teams. Yeah. But they were like like Doug Jika out of Ohio. Mike Goaty. You know, yeah, Mike Goaty there. Uh, yeah. Ray McNally out of Florida. Yeah. Stacy Scott. Right. From Craig Illinois. Siebert, the Missouri Outlaw. Yeah. Just, you know, you could just go on all day long running, you know, name after name of just. And those guys were big too. So yes, they were. Yeah. In. That's how, that's that's just something I've always thought about with you is is you're not the biggest guy and you no. weren't big then you weren't no. you weren't lifting and you were just riding right? yes and these other guys were clearly working out actually oh, yeah. training we never did that in Connecticut do we I don't think anyone no. ever trained no well <laughs> I don't think anyone yeah. maybe Darren did but that was about it Darren Waterbury um, he might have back when he was like you know. Number one super class. He might have been doing something, but he right. didn't really need to. Right. I mean, he was just ground control, and that was pretty much the end of that. You know, it's like. Yeah. Did it ever seem like? I'll just I'll throw this controversial question out there. Did it ever seem like there was an unfair advantage for, say, California riders? Um, or did that start to come later? Because I would imagine something was going on at some point with you know either performance enhancing it, whether people are doing steroids or whatever did that ever did you ever like think that maybe like like these guys are ridiculous these guys are way too big too you mean strong. in the amateur classes in the amateur classes or do you think that was just pro it, it seemed like that was happening with some guys because they were getting really big they might have but yeah. I was not aware of yeah, I wasn't really looking at that. I was like, okay, yeah. how do I fit into my little piece of the puzzle here? And mm-hmm. you know, so. But among your guys, if it, you just feel that they were just training or doing something, yes, different than you. Well, all those guys that were on those factory teams, they were, you know, that was you know they were on those teams, and their goal was to win the race. Right. You know, my goal was just make the main and get whatever I could get. Yeah. You yeah. know, so their goal was like, okay, you're on the Diamondback team, you know. You know, we're sending you to this race to win the race. You're on factory GT. So, Which, you know, so, so they had an incentive to, like, you know, do well. I right. mean, I was sitting it was I was sitting in home in Connecticut eating white bread and drinking Pepsi. You know, that's about <laughs> all I was doing. You know, right. that, that was pretty much, oh my, yeah, I used to jump and ride my bike all the time. But, right, right. you know, doing anything to get better, I did, yeah. like, zero. I think I think what I'm thinking of is, was more of a mid-90s thing. I think in the early... 80s and late 80s it wasn't really i don't think things were happening quite yeah, then, not but that it, yeah. clearly it started to change yes in the 90s i think skinny little pros all of a sudden became yeah like i said it pros. was you know but it's just funny because no one ever talks about it it's like that taboo subject it seems yeah, like with, a, and, and there's no to be honest there's no point at this yeah. point it's just so funny because you watch other sports like road cycling or even even motocross, supercross. Yes. I mean, look at supercross, Brock Tickle. Yeah. You know, it's everyone gets tested for everything, but for some reason, BMX has been like, it never yeah. happened. Like it never. It, maybe the sport was just so, uh, so low level that it just never yeah. warranted that kind of attention. You know what I mean? Testing or anything like that. But I, yeah. I if anybody in my fun. class that I've ever raced back then was doing anything, I was I have no. Right, right. Yeah, just 
I got you. Like I said, I wasn't really I wasn't really looking for that. So now you can say, oh yeah, maybe he was doing something. But at the time, I think yeah. those guys on those factor teams just had the incentive to do well for the team for the contingency that yeah. they were supposedly getting. So mm-hmm. I don't really I don't really know any specifics on that. But I've heard things. I was like, okay, that's like a pretty good motive to do well at a race. Well, that's what I mean. The pre- the pressure has to yeah. bring on. I mean, look at Lance Armstrong. The pressure to yeah. continue to perform brought on going down that dark road and yeah. and then having to live a life of denial. Yeah. And it's just funny to me because there's certain guys that just disappeared after they retired. They just they won't talk to anybody. Yeah. They just disappeared. Like no, you couldn't get them to interview if you wanted to. You know. Yeah. So it kind of I don't know. Anyway, we'll yeah. we'll drop that one before we get into Yeah, trouble. there you go. Like but, I said, I don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> Even if you do. So all right, so we covered Grands. When did you go to your first Worlds? I went to yeah. Orlando in 87. Did you make either main? I did not. Got the worst worst start of all time in the semi, and that was pretty much the end of that. Like yeah. I got fifth, the typical fifth in the semi. Right, right. And that was on Cruiser? Or? That was Cruiser, yes. I mean, that would have been like Ron Walker. Eric Carter won, but I, I know yeah. Eric Carter won both. I'm not yeah. sure if he was 16 or 17 at the time. I know Todd yeah. Lyons won both. Mm-hmm. I think he might have been 15 at the time right. on CW. Yeah. Right, it, that had to have been so hard. That race must have been crazy. So you raced no, because eighteen, whatever it was, it was mm-hmm. Todd Corbett, Basta Bever, Beaver Bever. Now you got it. You're right. Because they so were doing my cruiser moto. Yeah. Because I think they traded wins back and forth, and I went like three, three, three in my motos. Mm-hmm. I think I got third to them in the quarter, right. and then the semi. There's a video of it on YouTube. Uh-huh. The gate goes down, and I just because Orlando <laughs> had that weird gate at the time. Yeah, yeah. It was like a late gate. Right. And I just sat there, and I was like, okay, I'm in last. It's like, oh. After all day, and I got pictures of me, Corbett, and the Bass there jumping that hip thing in the corner. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, Bass is jumping it, then Todd's jumping it, then I'm jumping it, all in like a sequence thing. Yeah. So I was right with those guys, but then, you know, the old dreaded, okay, I'm last in the semi, and right. like pretty no, much put the fire out. No way to make it up in a group that tough. What's the worst track you ever rode? The worst track. Worst track you ever rode. Man, I, you know. Would it be East Coast? There's been some pretty bad ones. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but at the time, you don't really, you think they're bad for a reason, but now looking back in it, you're like, okay, why is it bad? Is it bad from the weather? Right. Is it bad just because they don't know how to build a track? Is it bad just because it's neglected? Looking back, and I was like, okay, yeah, the track was in that condition, but the weather was terrible, and you don't keep right. up on the maintenance, and... What was that place in New Hampshire? There was a place in New Hampshire that was Seabrook, maybe? Something like that? I it was kind of downhill, but it had it between the gate and the first turn, which was only a 90-degree turn. If you were in gate 8, you were through. Yeah. Um, but it the first straight couldn't be... It couldn't have been not even 75 feet long. Yeah. And bam, right into a left-hand turn, and then just zig, 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 zig yeah, know, back yeah. and forth. Yeah, I never went there, so I can't say, oh, yeah, it was yeah. that track, but, man, I got a lot of tracks to go through to think of a right. bad track. It's like, man, I'm just... Well, how many total tracks are you up to? And we'll get into the other thing after with, with racing every track. But. Well, I've been sort of doing my homework on the track thing. I got, mm-hmm. okay, tracks that I have raced at, mm-hmm. tracks that I have ridden, yeah, tracks that I have been oh. to, Every track that I've ever been to, ever in my history, I've been to 533 different tracks 
okay, tracks that I've raced at, I've only raced at 485 of those tracks. 31 tracks I have ridden, but I have not raced at. And then I have 17 tracks that I have been to, yeah. but I have never been on a bicycle and ridden the facility. So this must constantly change you, this goal. Let's just jump into it. All right. Your, your, your goal is to race every track in the country. Yes. But does it, that must change because some tracks close in the middle of your, in the middle of your goal of, of racing every track. The right? thing is, after I've been doing this, every track that is closed, I have already been there. Awesome. Not once since I started doing this has a track closed that I needed to go to. Mm -hmm. So it's like. So it's basically the, the, your your loose rule is to to race every track that is operational. Currently operating running races. Got it. So it has to be open, have a race schedule. It's like, okay, if I call them up on the phone, like right now, when's your next race? If they say it's tomorrow and I get on a plane and fly there tomorrow, could I race that track? Mm -hmm. That's pretty much how I considered not like, oh, yeah, we're going to build a track three years from now. I was like, okay, that doesn't count. Right, right. Or, so physically it has to be open, open and running a race or races. Since you've started this goal, when did you officially start it? Because obviously you started racing these tracks, some of them, right. before the goal started. But... When did this go into effect? How many years ago? I think in 2011, I started, I wanted to do one race in every state. Okay. Just because I needed, like, there was like 12 states that I'd never raced in. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just go to a one race in every state, mm -hmm. just to say I've raced every state, mm -hmm. except for Maine, which had no track, no, no track, so. Not in 11, well, right. Yeah, they did back in the 80s, yeah. so I was like, well, I'll just go to every state and just say okay i've raced one race in every state mm -hmm. which i sort of you know you know it sounded easy but it's like okay i have to go to alaska for a local race it's have like, you accomplished that now have you raced in every state or are you missing the, the states and a couple Maine, tracks Maine. Maine's the only state i haven't raced in so oh so you did it you no did no there no no yeah no, no i mean you did it for what's open yes now, yes since you so started. i got 49 okay. states out of 50. What are the chances that, that someone would pop up a track in Maine? A lot of people have talked about it. They just set up something in a parking lot with a gate. Right. Just like, okay, the Mike Savage race. Just have a race. USA mm -hmm. BMX pretty much said, yeah, we'll sort of, right. you know, sanction that. You know, yeah. It's a, there have been talks of it, but. Have they been talking about it, USA BMX at all? No. They're not? They joke about it, but they're like, yeah, we'll have a, yeah, have a race just for you in Maine. You know, I'm like. It makes sense. I don't see you know, why not. It, it can be done. Anything can be you done. Know, Popeye Mertens in Virginia said, yeah, I'll go to Rock Island Indoor and get their wooden jumps and bring them to Maine. We'll have a race in Maine just for you. But Oh, right, right, right. You know, but the, the logistics the that, of getting all the jumps and all the stuff, you're just better off. Is that the one that Paul DePaw runs? Yes, it is. Okay, I got it. And yes, it's on that list, and I guess I will answer that question by... Oh, you want to go to her? I, we, I oh. jump around. Oh. Uh, I freely <laughs> jump around, so I am... Uh, I'll get right to it because yeah. yeah it's on there why do i go there when doug ross doug ross yep he's, yep, a, he's a local yeah why do you travel the rock and he takes Island my picture Illinois? too so he's a cool guy he <laughs> takes my picture anybody takes my picture is like cool in my books doug ross is a cool guy yeah. I've, I've communicated with him a little bit um why do you travel to rock island bmx in illinois when there are plenty of indoor tracks i'm not sure there's plenty of indoor no tracks. there is no we indoor have, we on cement Griffin. floors with wooden jumps and traffic cones well, that's even cooler. 
Yeah, but that's the only one in the. That's the only one that they, anywhere. Right, right. So it's not like, oh yes, I can go to Gripen, I can go to Steel Wheels in Indiana, I can go to Wisconsin, I can go to Minnesota, I can go to Utah, Colorado, but indoor wooden jumps with traffic cones, you're going right. to Rock Island indoor. How often do you go? I go every race. Every race they have. Every race they have. And they race weekly? No, they only race three time, three weekends a year in December. Oh, I didn't know that. So well, they only race the month of December? The first two weeks of December and the first weekend in January. That's it? Why, do well, they only have the property for a yes, certain amount of time? That's the off-season of the auditorium. It's, oh. it's in the, oh, is it the Quad City Convention Center. Oh, I got So you. that's okay. like off-season. They have nothing booked. Yeah. Like though that month of... I got it. So they only have those three weekends, so okay. all you have to do is go there that, those three weekends. Really? Yes. I had no idea. How many years have you been doing that? Since 2011. And you haven't missed one? I've missed two. Oh, okay. Two races. That's, that's not many to miss. No. And that's a lot of driving. Well, oh you can fly to Chicago for like $54 or $69 from, oh, okay. you know, because you can fly in the Midway, which is like yeah. two hours away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get those, you know, fly round trip for like $110 sometimes. Just, yeah. you know. Yeah, I got But that. I go there because racing that, you know, like a lot of people don't like it, mm-hmm. but I like it because it takes you out of your element. Right. Okay, your, your typical BMX track, you pretty much know you go on autopilot. You know right. exactly, okay, you do this, you do that, okay, and you're good to go. Sure. You go in there, okay, traction is bad. Right. Jumps are, you know, wooden squares. Right. You know, you got traffic cones you got to dodge. You know, and so it's... <laughs> is, but, this, is the ceiling even high enough if you did happen to jump? Oh, yeah, no. It's, it's, a, it's a Coliseum type. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, it's convention right. center type. That's right. Not a big full-size one, but it's... Right. But it's so much fun. Is it's it? just... There's just something about it that I just... Yeah. I can't get enough of it. Really? So the first year they had it, uh-huh. I just... Okay, I'm going. Right. And I just flew in and I showed up on Paul the Powell's like, what are you doing here? Right. I was like, I want a piece of this. This is like the coolest thing of all time. He's like, yeah, I know, but why are you here? I was like, well, you're having this race, right? He's like, yeah, but why did you fly out for this? I was like, this is like too cool to pass up. Yeah. I have to do, because at the time I thought, okay, this is it. He's going to have that race and it'll never happen again. Right. But then it was so, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to do this all the time every year now. Mm-hmm. So I started going, but once I got hooked, I'm just, I don't I just can't get enough. It's, yeah. it's like a game. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like. You definitely are the type of person that, that once you choose to do something, you're determined. You don't. Yes. And, and that's gone way back, right? Have you, you've always been like that. Oh, right? yeah. Where it's, you well, get your zoned in focus and wow. What about other goals that you've set? that you have just been totally focused on. Yeah. Um, maybe the track wasn't even that good, but there was something else that you wanted to accomplish, like racing in other countries. Yes. Um, tell me about that. Like, how did that come up? Like Ireland? Yes, yes, Ireland. Uh, well, I'll start with, I went to the Worlds in Brazil in 1992, which was like total, just, you know, first time really out of the country. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, like, pretty cool. So then I got this, like, okay, racing in other countries seemed like a cool thing. So then the next year I did Holland. That got you going on the country? Well, like I said, I wasn't really wise to 
you know, I only knew the worlds. Mm-hmm. So I think 94 was in... Michigan. Yeah, Waterford Oaks. Right. I think 95 was in Melgar, Colombia, South America. I think so. Was that Australia after that? No, 96, the year I won the world title, uh-huh. was in Brighton, England. Oh, okay. And in Brighton, England, the UCI had a table set up. Okay. And they had flyers with an international calendar for 1997. Like with all these races, like all over the world, you uh-huh. know, because they were like UCI sanctioned. So they had a calendar, like the little flyers they were handed out, like races all over the world. That you'd accumulate points for? Was it part of a series? At the time, it wasn't really anything. It's like, okay, we're having a race, you know, we're having a race in Belgium, we're having a mm-hmm. race in Australia, we're having a race in Japan, we're on in Germany. It really didn't mean anything, but to me, that showed me the opportunity. It's like, okay, there's races here. Mm-hmm. So I sort of found information. I think I got, this was July. I think the world were in July. So there was something going on in Australia in like January. It was like a series, so like a three-week series. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think I had like 100,000 frequent flyer miles. I was like, I'm going to Australia in January. This is like great. Yeah. So I booked the ticket. I think it was like $23 in taxes to go to Australia because you just had to pay the taxes on the ticket. Sure. It was like $23. So I went to Australia in January of 1997 mm-hmm. for like two weeks. The The big race was the Oceanic Continental Championship the yeah. second Sunday. I understand. The first Sunday, I did a Saturday-Sunday thing in Sydney, Australia area. Then I got on a plane, flew to Melbourne, Australia. Did a local race on a Wednesday night, mm-hmm. which I can answer one of the questions here. Yeah. Do you like being called out for a savage snap? Oh, okay. Remember it said, you do, yeah, do I yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah. So I'm at a local race in Australia on a yeah. Wednesday night in the pouring rain. Mm-hmm. And these group of kids are looking at me when I'm... And they're pointing at me. And I'm like, oh, why are these guys pointing at me? <laughs> so I stop and they come over and talk to me. And they're like, are you the savage from BMX Action? Uh-huh. I was like, yeah. It's like, are you the guy that does like the turn down savage snaps? I'm like, yeah. They're like, can you do one for us? I'm like, well, not really in the rain. They're like, how about on the weekend for the for the the championship? I was like, all right, you come find me on Sunday. I'll do one for you. Uh-huh. So I get there on Sunday. These guys are waiting for me. And this was practice or moto? This was practice. Okay. So they're like pointing at the track. I'm like, all right, well, where? Because at the time, I could pretty much I could do one in the parking lot if I wanted right, to. Right. So they're like, do it here. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. So I go around, of course, just on my cruiser, just let one fly, just right. totally just cranked. You know, they thought it was like the greatest thing of all time. Uh-huh. I was like, to get back to my Australia. Yeah, yeah. So, so I did right. the Australia thing. Right. That was 97, you said? 97. And I think the next thing I went to was <laughs> the Worlds were in Saskatoon, Canada in 97. And one of the guys that I raced against from Germany gave me a flyer for a race at his local track in, like, September yeah. in Germany. Mm-hmm. So Mike Seegers is from Germany. I was like, hey, you want to go to Germany? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm that's, in. That's I'm after in. he came back from military? I think it's before he went. Oh, okay. So I was like, yeah, we'll go to Germany because he speaks perfect German. Mm-hmm. And he has relatives there. He's like, yeah, we can stay at my, my grandmother's house. I was like, okay. Tickets were cheap. It's like, okay, we're going to Germany in September. Right. So we went to Germany in September. Uh-huh. I was like, all right. So that worked out well. And then 
on the schedule, there was a race in Japan. And I still had, by that time, I, I still had 100,000. Because every time you fly with a frequent flyer card and a gold card and all that, you get like a, a you know, ton of miles. Right. So I was like, well, frequent flyer miles, Japan, here I come. So I booked another ticket for like $25 round trip, you know, to Japan on frequent flyer miles. I was like, okay, Japan, here I come. I'm flying to Japan. And that was for just racing locals? or It that... was the Pan Pacific. So there's usually some kind of yes. bigger event. Yeah, to them it was something, but for me it was just a race. I got it. For them it may, it may have been like a regional championship type of thing. Yes. So okay. I fly, you know, the first thing that you, at the time there was really no, inter- internet was sort of around, but there was no information to get. Right. So the first thing I say going to Japan is do not rent a car when you go to Japan. Do not rent a car, take public transportation, just do not rent a vehicle in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I land at the airport, what's the first thing I do? I go over and I rent a car. Because how am I going to get from the airport to the hotel, and the hotel to the track, and the track to the hotel? Were you racing two bikes? No, just cruiser. Okay. So. On all these major trips, you just race cruiser? I think, yes, I was just doing cruiser at the moment. I was just doing cruiser. Internationally. Internationally. You were still racing yes. 20 local. Yes. Okay. So I had driven right hand drive cars before in England and Australia. So, Japan, you don't go to your car, they bring the car to you. But the traffic is so bad at the airport, you stay inside till the car gets there. Uh-huh. You know, you're with the rental car people, right. and they're on the walkie talkies. It's like, okay, we're out front. So, yeah. So they bring you outside, they open the, the thing, they throw your bags in there, they put you in the driver's seat, and the police are waving you away, go. So you have, like, no setup time to, like, get a... Figure anything out. To figure anything out, okay, you're in a right-hand drive. Oh, yes, right. I've driven it before, so I wasn't totally new to that. Right. But being in Japan, okay, yeah. you can't make... It's so confusing. Yeah, yeah. This was pre-GPS day, so it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, go left, go right, you know, telling you what to do. <laughs> and you were alone? I was by myself, and it was at nighttime. So I got to figure, but the only good thing is the highway only goes to Tokyo or the other way. Oh, okay. So it wasn't really like, oh, which way am I going? It's like, okay, I have to go towards Tokyo. So, yeah, so. Wait, you did a lot in 97 then. Yes. Well, I had found the schedule at the 96 in the world in England. So I had the schedule. So I saw where did I, I wanted to go to Australia. I wanted to go to Japan. I wanted to. You were just knocking these off of that schedule yeah. that you got at the Yeah, because it was giving world. me, because like I said, there was really no internet where all this information was available. So for mm-hmm. them, to me to get a schedule, yeah. like just did all the, you know, you couldn't look at the NBL paper because that just told you, right. you know. Statesides. Yeah, statesides. Yeah. It didn't really tell you international stuff except for the world when that came around. Right, right. So I get to Japan. I was like, okay, here I am in Japan. I get to the hotel. I get to the track. So I'm at the track, but you can't park at the track. You have to park up the street in like a parking lot. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at the track. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and I see Robbie Miranda, Robbie Morales, Kiyomi Waller. What? Chris Breen. And they're all sitting there looking at me like... What are you doing here? I know that looks like Savage <laughs> sitting over there, but they couldn't possibly be Savage sitting over there. And I'm like, they come over like, what the hell are you doing here? Because they all came as a group and they were staying with people. That was part of a tour, wasn't it? For them, yes. Yeah. They were on a little, right. you know, Asian little whirlwind thing. 
Was that DK? Was that what was that? I think yes, I think Robbie was on DK. I think Robbie Miranda was on DK. Chris Green was on Hoffman. Oh, okay. Kiyomi was on Balance or Trek. What was he on? Oh, uh, I'm not sure what Kiyomi was riding at the time. Hmm. That's he was right. on one of those weird, you know, yeah. mountain bike team things. I think Park Prix. Park Prix. That's what it was. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Park Prix. Right. Yeah. You know, Robo was on, might have been on Standard at the mm-hmm. time. Right. So, yeah, I said to her, like, well, how did you get here? I was like, well, I flew in a plane. They're like, well, how did you get here? I was like, I rented a car and drove. They're like, you rented a car and drove? I was like, wow. How did you do at all these races? Did you do fairly well? Yes, I did. Yeah. Well, because yeah. You're, you're a big American hero at the time. and Especially in Japan. You're big. Yes. <laughs> Japan was cool because... They were having a jumping exhibition. But you got Robbie Miranda, right. Robo Morales, and me all together. Right. I was like, it pretty much turned into us. Everybody right. else stopped. Uh-huh. And it was just us training the the, the king of dirt jump. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, Robbie'd go, Robbie'd go, I'd go. Right. You know, we were just, okay, X up. We'd all do X up. Then right. we'd all do turn downs. Then we'd all do... So it turned out to actually be pretty cool. The jumping American jumping. I mean, Kiyomi was in there and Chris Breen was in there, but it was just right. the American jumping festival. You know, it was right, like right. actually really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So the thing about Japan at the time, my bikes, mm-hmm. not that they've really changed that much, but the Japanese people, they were looking at my bikes and I was running Shimano brakes. Uh-huh. I was still running Araya rims. I think I was using Super 7Xs. I was using Mitsubishi Comp 3 tires. Mm-hmm. And I was running a Cashamax seat. Uh-huh. Which, me telling you this now, you don't care. Right. But to them, an American racer running Japanese products, right. they, honor- they thought that was the most honorable thing that I would run Japanese, comp- that I thought Japanese components were so good that I would run Japanese components. I was like, well, everybody runs comp, because at the time, I think everybody, 99% of the riders in the whole world ran comp three tires. Right. And right. everybody up until a certain point ran Araya, they used to run 7Xs, but then they went to Super, Super 7Xs. 7X. Right. So everybody ran 7X Araya rims. What did you have for hubs? Because for a while, you were a campy guy. No, I went. No, I, w- I had the old Suzui mm, large fl- flange that flange. sort of looked just like them. They looked just like them, but they were, you know, an yeah. eighth of the price. You know, they were yeah, yeah, yeah. thirty dollars for a set, where campies were like two hundred dollars or whatever they were for C records. Or mm-hmm. wow. and I got my picture in a Japanese magazine too, jumping the doubles with all the Japanese people in the background bleachers laughing. Because <laughs> I think the I think Robbie Miranda, me, Robbie Morales. Kiyomi Waller, Chris, and a couple other. No one jumped the doubles on the back straightaway. I think we yeah. were the only people that would just, you know, launch the doubles and just, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, launch the doubles. It seemed like no big deal to us, but uh-huh. to them, it was like, oh, the crazy Americans just launching the doubles, you know? I was like, yeah. But then they sent me, I don't have the actual magazine, but I got a, you know, a photocopy of the magazine page. Right. Did you ever meet Satoshi? Satoshi Enda? He goes under Trails Warrior on Instagram. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. He he would have been he would have been later nineties, so he was probably there, but yeah. he may have been an amateur. Yeah, I was 
but he's very familiar with you and with right. I with was American. so for ninety seven. I was thirty one at the time, so I'm not sure how old he would have been. Uh, he he would have been as not too far off. He would have been yeah. mid twenties. Yeah, so he might have been in the elite with Robbie Miranda and all those guys. Because he did come race the ABA Grands. Yeah, right around that time too. So anyway, um, so so that kept things going. How did so how did Ireland work into the into the picture? Because that's a pretty interesting. Well, that's story. later. That's 2012 was Ireland, so that's a lot later. Oh, yeah, wow. that's a lot later. That's way later. That's, okay, so you just kept knocking off countries. What, so what happened when you when you basically burned through this flyer? You went through all the races on the flyer. Well, as I started again, I started getting more. The more I started going to all these different countries, I started getting more information. Mm-hmm. Just from picking up fly. I mean, I got a box of flyers home from back in those days, right. where if there was a flyer, I took it. Uh-huh. So there was a flyer. It's like, okay, even if I wasn't going, I just took it for the information that was available on it. It's like, okay, I might need this name or this contact somewhere down the line. Sure. So I think 98, I went to Switzerland in like September. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys I raced from Spain, he was having a race in October at his track that he runs. So he gives me a flyer. He's like, jokingly, you know, him not knowing, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, come to my race next month. And, you know, gives me a flyer and, like, laughs it off and goes about his business. Right. You know, comes October, and yeah, guess who's standing in the sign-up line at, at his track? <laughs> and he's looking at me going, why are you here? You know, and he's still to this day, uh, yeah, he still he still makes fun of that. Not fun of that, but he still right. calls me out. Like, yeah, I think I went to his race, like, three times. Did you? Yes, in Spain. Wow. Yeah, it was called the Extrema Dura Riders Cup. Oh, okay. You know, where it's like guy, the top guys from Switzerland would come, the top guys from France would come, top guys from Spain, and it'd have like, yeah, it was more of a show. Mm-hmm. So they put us out on, the, this was 97, so they put us out on the track, you know, they put me here, they put the, you know, all the big shots somewhere on the track, and then it announced your name with the lights off, and they'd shoot fireworks off behind you. Really? Yes. So it was like actually pretty cool. You're like oh. it's like Supercross or something. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly how it was. You know, because basically it's a show for the people. Yeah. Yes, it's a race, but it's more of an entertainment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I got second in cruiser and a third in twenty inch with like quarters. It was like seventeen expert, and I think I was like thirty two at the time. Oh my gosh! But. It was just like, it was Spain. I wanted to go to Spain. I was like, all right, Spain's cool. I'm in Spain. Look at this. Did all this keep you motivated? Because yeah. you had already, you'd already raced so many locals and so many races stateside. Yeah. Did this, did this actually like cover a gap for you and keep you into it as long as you yeah, had well, been into it? Well, there'd always be another country that you'd see that like, okay, I want to go there. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to go to. Like I said, at first I was like, oh, I want to go to Australia. I was like, okay, what's next? I was like, okay, Japan. Okay, let's go to Japan. I was like, okay, Germany. And then Switzerland, then France, and then, you know, just, there was always somewhere new to go to that's, okay, that sounds interesting. Do you think if you didn't have that in in Brighton that year, if you didn't discover that, do you think you'd still be in BMX today? Or would you have just been bored stiff and just... Or do you always find some way to stay There's, motivated? Well, I always find something different to do that I've, you know, like you said, once I accomplish something, I sort of like, okay, let's find 
a different way to do something else instead of just going to just doing the same thing over it's, and over and this over. This is it in a nutshell with talking with you tonight. You always find something to do to keep you right to keep you going. Right. Right? Yes, yeah. Because it gives you the motivation. It's like, okay, I've never done that. Mm -hmm. Like I said, that's why when I did one race in every state, it's like, okay, yeah, do that. But then that sort of turned in when I did the interview in the Pole Magazine. Uh They were jokingly like, hey, do you think you could race every state in the country? Or every state, every track in the country? It's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then I started doing it, and they are like, are you really doing that? I'm like, yeah. Well, didn't we talk about this? And they're like, oh, we were sort of joking about doing like every. You know, this is a recurring theme here with you. People, people throw something out as a joke, yeah. and all of a sudden you show up. Oh uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you know, because your typical person would just. But to you, it's a good idea. It's yeah, like, yeah. And it's, it's like, okay, that's a different opportunity. It's something right. I haven't done before. Or... Right. I think it's easy to misunderstand you. And what you what you're right. doing and why you're doing it because people don't know this exact story of what yeah. got you to start going to a bunch of countries in ninety seven ninety eight yeah and then you know racing you know in each state and then that turning into racing every track in every state right it's it's all your own personal goals you're not thinking about other people this is just no. what's keeping you motivated and keeping yeah. you giving you something to do you know so right. That's this is the way you've chosen to live your life, right? You know, just, yeah, pretty much. So at this uh, point, the race. Yes, I need to race these tracks, mm-hmm. but the actual race itself, I couldn't care less about. Right, how you do or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the outcome. Yes, I want to do well, but when it comes right down to it, okay. As long as I physically race the track, right. it doesn't really matter how well I do. Well, so that's not really the goal. It's not like okay, I'm going there to win. I'm going to beat up on all the locals. I'm going to. You know, but you know, is there still a track in Puerto Rico? I think there's two. Are there? One's the yeah. main one, the one that's been there. Uh, can't the, think what the name. One they had the NBL National at. Yes, a long time. Yes, ago. it's still it's it's more modern now. They got a big announcing. Yeah, yeah. It's like an announcing tower, starting gate, box, but it's a big double, you know, two floor. That's really nice. Right. Yeah, humidity is there. The humidity there is terrible, but right. But the race that was. Huh. It was interesting to say the least. Right. I did you you went to a local there or did you go I went to, to a gold cup qualifier there? <laughs> How many well, gold I cups have you raced? Well, because I wanted to go to a race that <laughs> right. okay, it was going to happen. To show up at a local race there, that's that's just pretty much winging it. Right. I was like, okay, if they're having a gold cup race, they're pretty much going to run that. Right. So that sort of is the only reason I went to a gold cup race there. Mm-hmm. That's. I'm glad you brought up Gold Cup because when when did you stop chasing rankings? Forget district because district is something that happens right. just by virtue of you going to all these different tracks. That that just happens. It's like a right. It's an I don't want to say unintended consequence, but it's something that's going to happen when you race that many times. Right. Um, but when did you stop chasing actual titles? Taking taking district out of it. All right. When did you stop doing gold cups? A lot of people would say, "Oh, why don't you do nationals?" And you know, my feeling is, I already did nationals. I don't yeah. need to do it again. Why would I need to yeah, do it again? I've, I've, I've been already to, done that. I've been to two hundred and sixty nationals. Oh, you've got that figured out. I got that figured out. I think so the classes I've raced. I think I've raced four hundred classes at those two hundred and sixty mm-hmm. nationals. So, so when did you stop? 
chasing titles, whether it be Gold Cup, national rankings, world rankings, or world championships, I should say. When did that kind of fall off, and then you shifted your goals to doing the fun stuff that you're talking yeah. about, just going to different countries? And- I think the last Worlds I did was Paulina Brazil in 2002, I think. So it's been a while. Yes. The last national ranking I had was, I think it was 2003. I got NAG 8 and 36 and over expert. It was the first year of 36 and over expert. So I sort of came out of the woodwork. I was like, yeah, I'll get a nag plate in 2013 or 2000, 2003 and 36 and over expert. Okay, I got it. So it's been a while. So it's been but 15 years. on Sunday, I raced Foothills BMX here in Torrington, Connecticut. Right. And London Wilmot called me out. He goes, how many times have you gotten a, how many different decades have you gotten a national plate? So I said, okay, I got a nag plate. In the 80s, I've gotten uh, nag plates in the 90s, right. and I've gotten a nag plate in the 2000s. Right. So London's like, you got like two years left to get a nag plate in USA BMX, so you can say you've had a nag plate in four different decades. <laughs> and he was like explaining it all, like, oh, you can beat this guy and this guy. And I'm like, dude, 51 and over expert. You think, oh, yeah, 51, it's all old, slow guys. It's like the They're hardest not. class. It's, good. it's the double A pro class from the 80s. Yeah. It's like stupid hard. He's like, oh, you can get a top 20. I was like, yeah, I know, but I don't really have the motivation. Yes, it'd be cool just to say I had a nag, you know, USA BMX or ABA USA BMX nag number in four different decades. Right. But no, he was asking about state plates. He's like, how many different decades have you gotten a Connecticut state plate? Right. I was like, oh, like, you know. 80s, 90s, 2000s, yeah, four different decades. So, did you also stop state plate? Uh, yeah, I haven't got chasing. a state plate in Connecticut since. Yeah, like the whatever to. Yeah, it's not really a state plate anymore. It's more of a. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it is, but it's I not. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, not like we're used to from NBA. Yeah, days. so I think 2013 was the last one I got in Connecticut. Oh, okay. Wow. So yeah, it's. In the last Gold Cup race I went to. I think 2015. Was the last time you got a Gold Cup ranking? Or yes, just I think Gold, Gold Cup, Cup ranking. Top three. Yeah. And the only reason I raced the Gripen Gold Cup this year is because somebody bribed me with a pizza. <laughs> they said, if we buy you a large pizza from the local pizza place, will you race the Gold Cup? And... <laughs> You were so, and, you and, were so uh, easy to talk into doing stuff. So, so you know, and me, and I really like the pizza place in, like, the Binghamton area that I go to all the time. So I was like, okay, free pizza for me, I'm in. So I raced the Gold Cup only to get a free pizza. You do realize. The in, Gold in, Cup in, I couldn't care in, less about. In, yeah, the Gold Cup that you paid to race and yeah. the gas you spent to get there. You could have you yeah, bought the I got best a pizza pe- in Connecticut. Oh, yeah. You know, four or five of them. Yeah, but my brain doesn't look like that. My brain just heard free pizza. And, okay, yeah, I spent 200 bucks to race and get there, but I got a free $10 pizza out of it. This is where the where the term batshit crazy comes in. and it, <laughs> That's pretty funny. So you've got, some, you've got some goals left if you want them, thanks to London and, and myself. Yes. All right. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm not gonna. Hold well, I still got to finish racing every state. Or yeah, every, what I keep saying. Say, I got to race every track in the country. Oh, what are you down to? Because I I thought it was in the teens. 
thought you were down to like 13. On paper, tracks that are actually open and running races, it's 16. Okay. Okay, there's three tracks that are in limbo. Right. The track in New Mexico mm-hmm. has the track done, but it has no infrastructure. It doesn't have a gate yet. So mm-hmm. they're in the process of getting that. So once that gets up and running, that'll be added. And then your Dakotas, right? Is it- no, the track in Rock Springs, Wyoming, outdoor mm-hmm. track, has been closed for two years. Mm-hmm. So they're in the process of reopening for this season. So that's going to be added back on. Uh-huh. Uh, Rapid City BMX in Rapid City, South Dakota, right. has moved their track in the park. They're in the same park, but they've moved to the other side of the park. I got it. Did so you I race think the old I, one? I raced the old one. I had to go there twice to race the old one. That's the kick in the head. Because you rained out, I think. Airlines flew me to Denver instead of South Dakota, and I spent the night in Denver. Oh, and you missed it? I missed the Friday night race, but by the time I got there Saturday, yeah. the Saturday race, the mains were in staging. Oh. And they know oh. that I need the track because they've already called me out, like moving the track. They're like, Mike's got to come back. We're moving the track. So, oh, gosh. So... Do you have one that you want to finish on? A specific track you'd like to be the last track? I think I'm working on that being that Yucaipa or Yucaipa, California and Riverside, San Bernardino. Okay. Just because it's like in sure. California, you know, you know, yeah. Southern California, that seems like it's a neutral location. It's like, okay, because I didn't really think anybody would care about going to it. Mm-hmm. But then last fall when I was on my tour Chris Gombos posted a thing on BMX race bikes uh-huh. hey Mike's on tour if you see him at the track take a picture and post it to this post right so everybody was every time I show up at a track somebody take my picture and post it to the to the message board right. go yeah he was here he was there so there was a big thing right and they got talking about yeah people were interested in going to my last mm-hmm. official you know every track race in the country so I was like well California you know Riverside San Bernardino that's pretty neutral it's you know good for arizona guys california guys it's easy to fly into if, like anybody wanted to fly in but right not that there's too many people are going to do that but right right well i know people you. say that well i can post you know they'll you know people post silly things like oh yeah i'll go to that but then the time comes like right. oh well no but right but, but i figured that'd be a better one to you know being california that'd be a better one that it's like oh yeah it's in idaho Right. You know, not that there's anything wrong with Idaho, but who yeah, wants right. to go to Idaho, you know? Right. Or, right. you know. Yeah. Well, USA BMX has an interest in it. So yes. So they want to be there. Yes. And I'm sure that works for them. Yes. And it's California. It's kind of where BMX started for yep. the U.S., domestically anyway. Yep. So it, it makes sense. Yeah, I'm working on the Hawaii trip. That's sort of a kick in the head, but. You have a track in Hawaii that you have to race? Yeah, when I raced there, it was the old Hickam Air Force Base yeah. back in the 90s when I went there. Right. So the new track is not there, so I have to go to... Okay. In my typical thing, I'm trying to work out. They race on Saturday afternoons. I'm trying to fly in on Saturday, mm-hmm. take a cab to the track, right. race the track, then get back on the red eye that same night, day, and fly back all within the same day. Back home? Back home. Oh, you're not going to try to hit anything else anywhere else? There's nothing else. in Hawaii. No, no, not in Hawaii, but of either South Dakota or... Well, I've tried doing that. I've tried Lincoln from the West Coast. It's more expensive to fly from the West Coast than it is from here. Oh, okay. I was like, okay, yeah, here it's like $500. West Coast, right. it's like $700 to fly to Hawaii. I got gotcha. you. It's like... I got it. 
But I think that would be like, okay, I'm the only guy that would fly to Hawaii for like a couple hours race and fly home on the same day. Right. What was your first magazine picture? First magazine picture that I was in or first picture of me on a bike? I had a couple of me in the oh. I had a couple of me in the background. I was in the back of Crash and Burn. In the background of a Crash and Burn. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but no, on your bike. On, on your my bike. bike? Yeah. We all know that magazines were where it was at. So right. it was it was BMX Plus, Super BMX, it was Riders and Dirt, I think it was called Bicycles BMX and Dirt. Life. That was the Bicycles ABA in house, you know, their magazine. It yeah. wasn't the one they sent you in the mail, it was their own little oh, yeah. publication thing yeah. that they then, did. Right. And then of course BMX action and uh there was Total BMX. That Total was like an East BMX. Coast thing. Right. Total, Bob Tedesco started that. Yeah, right. So what was the first one you were in? I want to say Super BMX. Yeah. From the 1985 Ascot Nationals. Oh, okay. I want to say that's... Yeah, I want to say it was Super BMX 1985. With a gate full of... No, it was Kevin Hall and me jumping to step jump into the second turn at Ascot BMX. Uh, okay. First cover was this one, 1988 BMX Action? Technically, my first cover was the cover of Crash and Burn in June of 1984. Really? Yes. Why? <laughs> what was it of? I mean, what was the context of the whole... Oh, me thing? crashing on the Z-Whoops from the Raleigh, North Carolina Indoor ABA National that year. Oh, you were the, you were the folk... You were the crash. You well, the it, crash had a lot, it had like... Four, maybe five or six different crashes on the cover of motorcycles, yeah, yeah. motorboats. You know, at the time they just had crashes of everything. Yeah, yeah, right. right. And so I was. They had these crazy Z whoops mm-hmm. in North Carolina in 1984. Yeah. So if you tried to roll them, they were too deep and peaky. Right. So if you tried to roll them, your bike would pretty much stop. So the cool thing was because it was just like two doubles with a zig across right. diagonal. Sure. So the cool thing was just hit the first one and land on the backside, and you were over the mess. Right. Yeah, I landed about three inches short, nose diving. <laughs> just bike stopped instantly, and there was a photographer at the time, John Seabolt, out of the south somewhere. Yeah. Took a picture of it of me hitting, like starting to crash. Like I'm starting to endo, but my hands are like sort of holding the grips. Right. And then there was another picture, which I'm just totally scorpion cartwheeling with my face on the ground with the bike over my head, which was on the cover of the Crash and Burn magazine. The one of me crashing into the double, Uh just about to end, you know, starting to end, though, was in BMX Plus. Oh, okay. So, they were talking about, it was like the world's worst crashes or some (laughs) stupid thing. It had this big, long technical explanation about, oh, you know, he ruined the picture by taking his hands off the handlebar before he gracefully touched down and, like, all this crazy... God. And the Crash and Burn said something about breakdancing, like BMX breakdancing band. Because at the time, that was the big thing, breakdancing. And here I am, I'm, like, on my face with my legs scorpioned up over my head, (laughs) you know, doing a cartwheel with the bike flipping over top of me. And it's color, so hey, it right. was me. I was on the cover of a magazine. So it didn't right. say, it didn't have my name or anything. You know, right. it was just random guy doing a face plant. You know, it's like, right. hey, I'm, I'm on. I don't think they ever put names, did they? In Crash no, and Burn. No, no, not usually. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. Think the motocross guys, if like Bob Hanna was going down in flames, like, oh good, a hurricane yeah, going everyone. down the storm drain or some right. <laughs> some silly caption when it was a known motocross guy. Yes, but 
right. you know, fools on BMX bikes doing face plants. No, it's like, oh, yeah, thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice job with the dentist, dentist bill, you know, laying <laughs> down your face. All right, let me ask you, there's got to be a specific event, something that happened, whether it be a cover of BMX Action, what uh, specific event turned you, into, turned you into a recognizable name? Like, when did people start to really get to know Mike Savage? Be all over. I mean, just, yeah. there must have been something that clicked where all of a sudden it was like, you know, California knew you. Yes. Which... Actually, I should say that that led to this. So some yes. So what put you on the map? We'll say. Well, just the class I was in with the guys I was racing, mm-hmm. and making the main. I mean, I was. I mean, I'd make the main, but then I was like the mid pack to the back type of guy. But you were kind of consistently in there. Yes. And this was twenty inch. Twenty inch cruiser, yes, cruiser too. But people cared less about cruiser than they did twenty. Yes. So this is when you were racing Kevin Hall? And yeah, well, like I said, I came in when it was like Kevin Hall, Rick Palmer, Charles Townsend, Cecil Johns, Terry Darwin Tinnett. Griffin, Terry Tanette, right. Ronnie Walker, Todd Corbett, yeah. Craig Siebert, like just the list, you know, the yeah. names. But I'd always, most of, you know, I'd say a little bit more than half the time I'd make the big mains. Mm-hmm. So I was always... Yeah, I wasn't there. You know, you wouldn't notice me, like typical of me. It's like, yeah, I'm there, but you don't notice me. But then the big main's up on the gate with all those big-name factory guys. And there's little Mike. And there's little me. (laughs) Well, that's like the... the, No, it used to be the Murray World Cup when it was in... Nashville. Nashville. But then when they moved it to Irvine... Right. The main was like me, Jameson Hendler, Mm -hmm. Todd Corbett... Right. Cecil Johns, Darwin Griffin, Terry Tinette... Did I say Corbett? Yeah. Oh, okay. Ronnie Walker. Right. And, like, it was just ridiculous. So, it's like, okay, how could I... Did you say Griffin? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Darwin, Cecil, Terry, Ronnie Walker, Todd Corbett, Jameson Hendler. Yeah. Just, like... You and Jameson must have been the only ones from... And Ron Walker from from outside of the West Coast. Well, like I said, you think, okay, you wouldn't... If you saw those names on a thing, you're like, okay, there's... You know, we had, like, quarters that day. Right. And you're like, okay, but I made the main. Right. You know, and I was running third. Well, yeah, there was, you know, Ronnie crashed and Terry crashed. And right. there was a mix, but I was in third down the last straightaway. And they, they wrote about that in BMX Action, that coming out of the last turn, I was in third. Yeah. Cecil Johns is on my right, and Darwin Griffin is on my left, and we're having a drag race down the last straight. Oh, my gosh. You know? Wow. So, you know, you're saying, oh, you got fourth in the main, but, right. you know... But that sounds like a turning point because that yeah. Well, like I said, yeah. So that was, you know. But like I said, I was in those mains. You know, I wasn't up front with those guys. Yes, I was in the mix, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't really battling. You know, they were. You know, I wasn't really at that level. Sure. In my mind, I wasn't really at that level. Right. I was more like, okay, I'm lucky to make the main. Right. But I did make the main most of the time. You know, with all those. To me, they were big shots, but like looking back, and I was like, okay, they were just like me, except they live somewhere else. You know, they weren't. Right. And that was in 86? 87. Well, like I said, I was making the mains, you know, 85. Right. 80, you know, more. I was making more cruiser. Yes, I was making the occasional 20 inch mains here and there. At 86, I started making more 20 inch mains. Mm-hmm. And then 87, I started, you know, doing good in both. And uh-huh. 
Yeah, I think I finished. I finished national thirteen and twenty inch and. Oh, that was NBL. Irvine was NBL. Yeah. It? So and I finished. Either nine, six or nine or something in t- cruiser. Yeah. But the list of guys ahead of me is like, okay, yeah. Ronnie Walker, Todd right, Corbett, right. you know, just you know. Right. It's like, oh yeah, you got six, and you take that everybody else out. Yeah, yeah, six things, and you see the names around me. You're like, oh, that's like pretty good, and that's just the big name guys. Never mind the middle of the road guys that were still really good riders. And these are all guys that were on the verge of turning yes. pro anyway. Yes, yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. So they were already at the they're fastest of the fast amateurs. Yeah. Fastest of the fast. Um, so that yeah, so, so that got you some attention. You were on crit then, right? Yes, I was. How long, wait, how long have you been on crit? Since 1985. 85. So, Crit's pumping out plates. So, you're, so the plates are obviously being recognized. Right. And the team was, well, how many people were on the team? Three or four people? Not, it, not that it, it sort of varied over the years. Yeah. You were the only one that was really right. traveling and yes. pushing the Well, needs. Curtis Bland was on the team. He, he right. was like from day one. Right. And then there was a, Mike Crean was on it for sure. a time until he got picked up by MCS or I'm not sure, I'm not sure if he went did he MC- go worldwide first uh, no I'm not sure I'm not sure where Korean went after crit plate he might have went to MCS yeah I want to say it was MCS or Titan but he went Titan yes it was, it was Titan. Titan he went to Titan I think he went to Titan right then he went to MCS then he went to WP to William Prince WP I keep calling it WW but yeah, yeah WP the red uniforms right the wasn't it? Was that Which WP one? or WW? No, WP was the orange and blue. Oh, right. It was like orange with the blue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but Crit, you know, I think Curtis was the main, you know, longtime team guy. So, right. But, so, so to make this happen, obviously we all know how this works. If Mike is paying to advertise. Right. Then that, it, in turn, he's advertising, he's paying right. to advertise your his rider which right. is you who's getting the most publicity and right. doing the best on the team or at least traveling the most and doing well right that combination right is that what kind of brought you to that next level and then all of a sudden it's like well, hey let's do a photo shoot I think Super BMX was the first magazine he really advertised it okay so we had a photo session with Super BMX at the old Azusa track okay had a big yellow starting tower mm-hmm. back in Right above the gate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To people, they always show that old school picture. It's like the mm-hmm. Pattersons and like mm-hmm. all these guys, and it's old big. It says US BMX or US something yeah. BMX. Right. So we had a photo session at the old, right. at the Azusa track. Mm-hmm. And Greg Hill was doing a red line. They were doing a red line test with Greg Hill, and when Greg was resting, they were doing the photo session with me, doing the thing. So I was like, wow, Greg Hill, you know, right? You know, it seemed pretty cool, you know, because like. It's Greg Hill, you know. And oh, so you had a couple years before it turned into BMX Action. Yes. Were you in BMX Action inside the covers, uh, between the covers? I should say before you made the cover. Yes. Well, like I said, I think the Super BMX thing was the first real photo session that mm-hmm. we had. Right. Where it was just a crit plate ad. At first, it was just showing the plate, so I wasn't really doing any tricks or anything. And it's like sure. okay, because they wanted to show the number plate, because. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he was trying to. That's what we were trying to sell. We we're trying to. Oh, you right. want to buy a number plate? Okay, here, here's what we make, and right. so that sort of led because you are advertising in Super BMX mm-hmm. because you're spending advertising dollars. They're like, oh, 
you're spending money for with our company. Okay, every time I was at a race, my picture showed up. Just because, you know, we were spending advertising dollars to support the magazine, so they're like, oh. And that's what I was getting at. That's yes. kind of how the game works, you know. Yes. So then, you know, the next issue, you know, they had the ad. It ran for not sure how many times mm-hmm. the ad ran. Right. But then I'm on the little table of contents. They're like, oh, the Akron, Ohio National. There's a little thumbnail picture. There's like, oh, Akron, Ohio on the table of contents page. Yeah, yeah. And then I show up on the little subscription card. Oh, you know, the okay. little card. You always have to open a magazine. It falls yeah, in front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every month, the little subscription card had my picture on the background of the little subscription cards. Wow. I got like four different colors from like four different months. I got an orange one, a purple one, a, no you way. know, a little subscribe to Super BMX, you know. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. You know, so you really didn't notice it, but he pointed out, it's like, okay, I started getting these little weird, you know, pictures it. out of Super I'm BMX. I'm sure I saw it. I just don't remember it. Well, yeah, you followed on the floor. You picked it up and crumpled it up and threw it in the trash because you kept... Because it was blocking the picture. Oh, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the ones that were stuck in. They were the ones that would fall out on the floor, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Right. So there was... Just... So, hmm. The one that had cars buried and all that stuff. Yes. Well, it, had, it didn't have cars at the, t- at the time that I would did it. The time I went there with you. Yeah, yeah. That's when it had... Because that's when the jumping scene turned to that more rebel... Yeah, yeah. You know, the... Combo street street combo dirt. Yeah. Just to hold. Yeah. So Jones track. There was a picture. I don't. I don't remember. That was the, the table of con- That was a table of contents oh, page or BMX action. Okay. I'm sure if I saw it, I'd remember yes. it. But my one jump and down in flames, I went. The actual picture. It's on the table of contents picture. Yeah. Like one second after that picture was taken, I was laying in a heap with my front wheel folded over to the forks. Oh my God. One, that very picture, if you look at that picture, my top foot is coming off the pedal. Uh-huh. And when you're backwards like that, right. that's what's keeping you from, Yeah, yeah. you know, once your feet are off, you're backwards. Right. You can't like spin the bike around right. when you're twisted around backwards. Right. So that was the very first jump that mm-hmm. I did for the BMX action cameras. And you went down. So there's Wendy Osborne standing there, ready to take my picture, Mr. Uh-huh. Big Shot. Yeah. I come flying at that jump, you know, up, savage snap backwards. Okay, yeah. foot comes off, down in a heap. My front wheel bent so bad it folded over to the dropout. So my, they have a picture of me they were going to use for a hot shot that they sent me. It says hot shot, possible insert. They got, like, the graphics written on the margin. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm sitting there, my wheel is, like, totally just... Right. Oh, so okay. I ended up getting the table of con. Not that I'm complaining right. about that, but I was right, like, right. I'd rather have the hot shot just because that yeah. was the cool thing. It's like a hot shot. Right, right. You know, all the 70s when the hot shots came out in BMX action, it's like a hot shot. They used to have multiples. Yeah. There was like three or four in there. Yeah. yeah. So I got the table of contents. Uh-huh. But that sort so of got then, the interest of BMX Plus and John Kerr. Right. So then John Kerr was like, okay, you're in BMX action. Okay. Why don't yeah. you do something for us? Was Mike advertising BMX Plus, or no. is this just because now you're a, now you're a recognizable? Well, name. now I'm a recognizable thing, and I'm doing right. something that's okay. That's right. You know, I'm in the magazines now. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you're in my magazine. Why don't you be in ours? And, okay, you're you're in ours. How about? So I got in with we got in with BMX Plus, mm-hmm. and John Kerr. I'm not sure what the first thing we did with John was. And we also got in with Super BMX still with Steve Guyverson. Was that the same time that... Did Scott Town work there then, too? Or was he... I think he was later. Or was he, okay. All right. 
wow, Garberson, that's amazing yes. because now this is like the guy being of yes, of Supercross and Motocross and yes, that's amazing. So yeah, so anyway, we got him with you know him. So I'm not sure if it was the first photo session I had with John Kerr, mm-hmm. but I had a photo session with John Kerr at the Orange Y. We were trying for a cover shot, but I couldn't make it work at the or- the orange. You know, it was no fault of the tracks, but I just didn't have a jump that was good enough right. to get, you know, a BMX plus cover. Right. And then it's like, okay, maybe the poster book they were making like po- no, I think it was a poster book they were trying to get a cover or a shot for. Mm-hmm. They used to have a poster book where they had like a bunch of posters all stapled to a magazine. Mm-hmm. So you open it up and it was like full size, you know posters uh-huh. so i think that's what we were originally trying for yeah but i couldn't we couldn't get a good enough quality shot for that mm-hmm. so i ended up on the cover of the buyer's guide the bmx plus buyer's guide oh okay which okay you're putting my mag you put my picture anywhere i don't care you know, right. you know yeah you know it's my picture on a magazine that's cool okay on the cover of the buyer's guide okay that sounds good to me you know uh-huh. and on the same day we did that at the orange Y track in the like midday, mm-hmm. we left there, went to the Jones track, and had a photo session with Steve Guyberson, Guyberson from Super BMX the same day. Same day as John Kerr. Same day as the BMX Plus one at the Orange track. We did uh-huh. the Orange Y one, left right. there, and went to the Jones track in Riverside, and did the Super BMX, which I got the full page color totally cranked backwards. Wow. Wow. So that was your. Your signature jump before you made it on the BMX action cover. Right. You already right. Yeah. Well, that was wasn't really named. It was just. Uh, I'm not sure what t- table of content. Yeah. How did it turn into a Savage Snap rather than a Leary? And, and I don't think the two. Can and be I'm not con- sure what the caption on the table of contents page says. Yeah. It might say. Ah, uh, says something like, "Look how far he's clipped." Eighteen, mm-hmm. you know, crit plates. Eighteen X Mike Savage. I'm not counting. Yeah. So the Savage Snap was coined by BMX Action. I think that was Gork. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that was Gork that had to call that Savage Snap. I got you. Guy's smart. Guy comes up with some really good ones. Well, I had the photo session from Bill Madden's Pitts Trails. Pensacola. Pensacola there Mm -hmm. in 87. It was after the Worlds in Orlando. Oh, okay. We all went up there because BMX Action, they were going from the Worlds to Bill Madden's house on the Monday. So we... Me and Crit Plate were like, hey, we're going home anyways. We'll just sort of drive. Right. Madden's house is on the way, 10 hours in the wrong direction. Exactly. <laughs> but we'll just sort of head that way and get in on that. Silver yes, I Florida. got in on the local thrashing thing, but I looked back on it. I was like, okay, I wasn't really a local there. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I sort of like stepped on the locals' toes and took some good photo. Yeah. You know. Oh, but the captain did say he wasn't a local when he showed up, but Connecticut's Mike Savage got local status or... Oh, something right, right. by that's the one of the big 11 photo sequence of me coming up the hill and cranking which somebody in there said he holds it for like Someone, two frames yeah, that, that was Don Bonnell do you remember Don Bonnell he wore a Hutch uniform and raced he raced me and so he would have been with Korean and all, all right, yeah. but he raced he was really good he yeah. raced uh, Westfield yeah. and Northampton and all yeah. that he's the one that wrote that, that yeah. question in there about yeah you holding it for yeah. for two frames Oh yeah, which is well. Like, Bill Madden made that it, jump, so he's a jumper, and he knew exactly to make the stall on that thing. It's like, okay, you can just hit that thing. You'd hit it at a full sprint, yeah, and you just hit that thing, and you'd go up and just hang there. Yeah, you'd ha- yeah, you were moving, but you weren't. It wasn't a fast. 
Yeah, trail guys know what I'm trying to say. It's like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're stalling. Right. Yeah, you're moving forward, but you're more of a stall than a forward. So that's why two of those frames, I'm just like, right. okay, I'm just like sitting here. just. Well, he's psyched to see that you're still riding today, but he talked about the sequence on a profile cruiser. Cause that was a free agent. It was a free yeah, so agent. Yeah, we were getting, I was getting... All right. The team they were supplying the team with bikes at the time. So well, him and I it, it turned to the magazine thing. I'm in the magazines, and they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, Mike was, oh yeah, we're done. Then they're like, okay, you're in the magazine. Okay, we'll give you. Right. Well, you were at a free and agent. Speaking free of the free agent, for a while, right? The brand, I got a free agent on a Monday, brand mm-hmm. new frame. Right. The Trumbull National was that weekend. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You, you don't know where I'm heading with this, do you? That's when they had the Trumbull jumping contest. That's the one we put on. No. Oh, yes. Yes. Where it was Dave Clymer, yes. Fosters, and you oh, cleaned my I... clock, if you remember. I don't know if you remember that. I cleaned your clock. Oh, it's like big time. Crashed you? Oh, it's almost on tape. The sound is on tape. In the race? No, at the jumping contest. Oh, it's I ran sunny, into you. The Sunnyside Trails. Oh, no, no, I know it was Sunnyside. But yes. You don't remember that? <laughs> no. I did the gravity jump, like the end of the gravity jump and jumped oh, out. And I was you doing came the distance. blazing down the hill like Mach 12. Doing the long one. Doing the long one, so I'm cranked out sideways. Oh, shit. And you landed on me. Oh, shit. And I think Joe Montgomery was videotaping it. Oh. No, he wasn't. He's in the video. No, he's in the video. I'm not sure who videotaped it. I have the video. You do? I should give you the video to... <laughs> you can't see the crash, but you can hear it. Right. And you can hear Joe Montgomery go... Watch out! And all of a sudden you hear, oh, 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 just bodies crashing all over the place. Oh, God. And then it turns, it turns and, you know, and looks, and we're just laying in a heap on the backside of the canyon gravity jump. Oh, God. So you, because I was out sideways like that, when you hit me, you landed on my rear tire sideways. And the dropout went. Oh, no. It spread the dropout open. Oh God! And I had to go back to the car and get a tire iron and hit the dropout with it because the axle nut was in the dropout because the dropout was open so much. I had to hit the dropout with a tire iron. So I had the bike. I got the bike on Monday. Right. I raced the Trumbull National on Saturday during the day. Yeah. You wrecked it Saturday afternoon. <laughs> on Monday, Mike from Crit Plate was calling free agent, going, "Yeah, we need another frame. Mike wrecked it already." Oh my so, God. Wow! I should get that buddy. Was, the video is hilarious because oh, you crashed and you were sulking in the background. Because I, I don't know who videotaped it, but you're really? sulking in the background, so depressed and just yeah, yeah. downtrodden. And right. Greg Bendis is going, "You ruined his new bike," and you're just like, "Oh my!" You're just like so. Just I blocked it out. Yeah, I just blocked that one right out. Well, hey Jeff Allen, you can thank me for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, but the jumping contest is cool though. It's like every, you know. I remember making up the flyers. We called it the Thrash Fest. Yeah. And we we handed out flyers at the Trumbull. Well, I I tried to let BMX Action know ahead of time. Yeah, this was. And because that's when Chris Moeller was, was yeah getting around. I'm not sure he was there. I'm not sure that he wasn't there that year. No. No, maybe. the jumping contest was me, mm-hmm. Bill Madden, Dave Clymer. Yeah. I think it was Alan Foster. Mike Patrick and Little Short Shorts, yeah, yeah, yeah. which they call out in the video like numerous times. Right. I think Joe St- Stifler. No, Stifler. Could could have been one of those Stifler Maryland maybe. guys. There's a couple guys. You know, I know yeah. Alan Foster was in there because he was doing a knack knack. Yeah. You know. I mean, he was probably on wheel power. Or something yes, he's like wheel party orange or purple and black. 
think Bill Madden was on phase two. Yeah. Yeah, I got the whole video, the whole, I'm not sure who, yeah. well, I should give it to you. You should post some of the, it's hilarious. Oh, God. This guy, 23 laps. Uh, Mark. I think, he's, I think he's from Rhode Island. I, yeah, I, he, he definitely knows you. He wants to know what pressure you're running in your comp threes. Uh, if I told anybody, they wouldn't believe me, so. I'm going to say you run 65 pounds. Not even close. Don't tell me you don't run 35. I think I run 40. Really? Yes. And they don't fold over in the corners at Bethel, those well, sharp corners? I know how to ride. Well, with my weight, I yeah. know exactly how much pressure I could run to yeah, not yeah. fold over the tires, right. the tracks I'm running. Yeah. So I think I I want to say it's 40, 40 pounds. Wow. That's pretty low. you got to be able to push it in a little bit at 40 pounds. Oh, yeah. yeah well, check it thumb. next week at Bethel. You go, okay. there's no way you're running. You're like, holy crap, you're running. Yeah. But my style is really smooth, so I don't really hit anything. I'm like, right. I'm just like floating on all the jumps. I don't really, mm -hmm. you know, manualing and jumping and right. turns. And I got you. I think the only track I pumped my tires up was Evansville, Indiana, on the downhill. Only because it goes down the side of us, oh you know, There's... downhill, and that middle section S turn is paved. Yeah. And you're going 30 plus miles an hour around the bolt, and it switches back and goes to the other way, and then yeah. down the hill. And you go blazing down the hill into the last turn. Yes. Oof. Place is fast. Um, all right, so your bikes have always been really, your bikes have always been immaculate. They've always been perfect. Did that start after you started working in a bike shop, or were you, were you really into having your bikes being perfect before working at Connecticut Bike, I shouldn't say? Uh, yeah, I think, just think before that. Before just, that? Yeah. You were already on the path of having things like nice just and right, neat and shiny neat, and lots of chrome. Lots of chrome, you know. Yeah. I well, when it. I started, chrome was it. There was, you know, you, you rode chrome or you didn't ride anything, mm -hmm. you know, frame-wise. Right. It's like, okay, I had frames, you know, I wasn't really into the reds or the golds or the blues or... Right. I was more like, oh, I'm a chrome guy. Right. So I was always like the nice, shiny-looking... They look Stop. faster. I always felt faster on a chrome bike. White bikes seem so slow to me. Yeah. Don't ask me why, but I, I had this thing with colored yeah. color bikes. Yeah. I rode a white profile once. Yeah. For one race. I rode it the Christmas class. Your first Christmas classic mm -hmm. in 85, I rode a white profile 20-inch. Really? It's the only video proof or video, picture proof I have of me riding a white profile. Really? God. I rode a black profile at Wakefield BMX. I went with you and Corey. We to went Wakefield? to Wakefield in 1989. Oh, okay. Yep, I rode a black pro. I think I only rode it that one race because it was when they went to like a long frame. Yeah. At the time. But right. I think they didn't change the head angle. It still had that like 69 degree slack head angle. And they added like... A, on the 20. On the 20 inch and they just like lengthened the top tube and I like I couldn't ride it the at cruiser, all. cruiser, I don't think they ever did anything because no. every cruiser was too small. No, yeah. Those screws, and that's something. So that, I think that Wakefield race that we went to, and mm -hmm. Corey had the little pickup truck with the like ex loud exhausts on there. Yeah, the red one. Yeah, or yeah. whichever one. I think me, you, and him, we went yeah. to Wakefield that day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I got that written up. Tell you exactly you, how we finished that. I can tell you exactly how I finished that day in the both bikes. Do you write down? It's to this day. Do you write down what your finishes are at a race you go to? Not only do I write down, I had the results for every finish, too. So whether you transfer first or second moto and what you got in the main, that, yep. the how whole many thing. riders? Oh, and how many riders? So you document all of that. Yes. Todd Lyons says nothing on you. 
You've got he more has better story. He has better stories. Well, his stories are way better. <laughs> but as well, as... I talked to him one day. It was at yeah. where were I forget where we were. We were somewhere, mm-hmm. and he was questioning me about that. I was like, "Yeah, but Todd, I go, you wrote down your stories from every little thing you did." Right. And he goes, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah, I go. I don't. He's like, "Well, why did you write the results of every little thing?" You... I was like, "I don't know. Well, why did you write down?" And he's like, "It dawned on him. He's like, he didn't know why he did that either. It's right. just as a little kid, you're a kid." You're like, oh, I'll just write down my race finishes. And hey, there used to be a spot for it in the rule book. Remember? In yeah. The, in the back go. of the rule book, there was a little spot where you could write down, you know, what your finish was for the race and the whole, yeah, the whole thing. Well, total points then, so it was you could write down your moto finishes and your, what you ended up. So maybe that. Yeah. But how long have you been keeping track then? Day one. Day one since eighty one. I know anything. I yeah, I got my computer out in the car, so I know. Every, I don't have the results for every race because back in the NBL days and right. But for USA BMX from mm-hmm. two thousand from January first two thousand one until today, you can get your race results for every race you've ever been to. Really? So from two thousand and one until today, I have every result from USA ABA USA BMX. Only their races, obviously. Yes. No NBL. I went. I have every ABA NBL US. I got every newspaper that I've gotten mm-hmm. in the last. 38 years uh-huh. so I went through every magazine I have uh-huh. and got results from all the nationals or and put it all into put the it computer. all in there every magazine being any, mag, any result I could get from I watched videos mm-hmm. any video I had I got you know results from videos the Roger Plaskett where he made the 1990 like 17 over X yes. video I watched the right. hard not the one the edited one he has like the whole year video uh-huh I went through every race and watched every race. If it was total points, I, I kept score. You know, because, <laughs> right. you know, if it was a main, okay, I just right. did the main. But if it was a total points race, I was like, okay, right. you know, Darren Waterbury first, Mark Lincoln second, me third, Randy Raymond fourth. I went through and wrote the finishes of every race down. Watching, I watched the whole six-hour tape that Roger made. From the unedited, because he made an edit, an edited one and an unedited yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. He had the raw copy, and I was like, oh, "Nope." I just went through and watched every single one. It got uh-huh. results. And Jim Jordan, you remember Jim Jordan? Yeah, yeah. There, he had he had a video camera, so he had videos from like New Jersey, like a couple weird plots. I went, so I got results from like every mm-hmm. possible source that I could get results from. I just got mm-hmm. re- more results from. I sent Bob Jenny from Massachusetts uh-huh. a picture of us from 1983. Right. I was like, who are these guys in the back? And he's like, oh, and he knew exactly who they were. Really? Yes, because we raced Rhode, Rocky Hill, Rhode Island in 83 to Tri-State Series. Right. So I was like, hey, here, Bob. I asked him like 10 different questions. Like, who's this guy and what's that guy? And who's this guy in the gate behind the gate? And I'm like, well, I'm sorry I asked you like 35-year-old questions. But he's like, no, I remember the day perfectly. So I filled in my blanks from 1983, like the results. Mm-hmm. So trying you must to get have to do some catching up to fill in all the blanks. Oh, it's been taking. I've been working on it for years. But it's yes. how how close is it to complete? Or you're saying it is now? Well, it's about as complete. Unless you know, you know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody like you that has moto sheets or main sheets. You ever steal like main sheets from back in the day? Uh, the only ones I ever took were from Columbus, yeah. and I was younger than you. Yeah, so I need more like local there. stuff. Like, yeah, I didn't keep any local ones. Yeah, that's like that's I what I really need because all the national stuff I have. I should have kept them from Foothills when we first opened because that, that would have been kind of nostalgic yeah. for me. 
It would have been kind of cool. Well, I tried to piece the Foothills double point race where it's the picture you keep posting where me, Chris DeCudo, Doug oh, that, Luden, is that a money Mark ra- Heckler. Is that a money race or is it just 17 and over? That's, I think that's 17 and over. Oh, okay. Yeah, could be. So I was trying to p- figure, I was like, okay, that was my moto, your moto was you, Greg Plaskett. Mark. I was, try, I'm try, I'm trying, okay, to, I was trying to piece together, because I know how I finished, and I could see by the pictures. Mm-hmm. It's like how, I was like, okay, I could see how that played out. I was like, okay, hey, I'm leading one. Okay, that's the one I won. Then I got a third. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's the one I posted. If you coming out of the second turn, jumping the doubles, because right. we had the rhythm section. Right. There's two different pitch, two different versions of that picture. Mm-hmm. There's one model, Chris DeCudo's leading, I'm a little bit behind. Uh-huh. And then there's another picture where I'm leading. Uh-huh. I think Doug, Lu- Doug Luden's right behind me, and Mark Heckler's behind me. There's right. two different... I yeah. had to get the picture from you. I'm not sure where the picture came from, but... Probably. Yeah. I think... Actually, I think Nadine took them. Oh, there you go. Because that was right in, like... That was like that was, 90, I think that was the opening 96. day double point. Mm-hmm. Or not opening day, the next week. I think you opened one week and the double point was like the next week. Because they were black and white. Yes, they're black and white. She took them. I know she took them. So yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so if anybody has results for me from the last 38 years, if they know how they finished her, <laughs> if anybody has moto sheets or main sheets from local races in the last 38 years, like send them my way. You'll take them? I'll take them. So you can add to my list. Right. What parts have remained consistent on your bikes from, let's say, early 90s till now? What parts have, have been on each of your bikes every time? Because I know you... Consistent-wise? Okay. In 1982, I was running Comp 2 tires. Okay. In 1982-ish. Mm-hmm. I think that's when Comp 3s came out. I switched to Comp 3 tires in 82 when they came out, or whatever year they came out around it. So uh-huh. I was running Comp 2s. Right. Then I switched to comp threes. Right. And I've only run comp three tires ever since. Oh, I've so. never run any other tire besides comp three Tioga tires. Is that the one constant, or do you have like pedals that you've run for? Well, that that's forever. No, that's tires. That's I'd say the comp three tires are what I've. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that I can consistent. say. Yeah. I've never switched to any. I went from comp twos to comp threes. And you still have a stock of comp threes. Yes, I do. I'm repurposing them though because I used to take them off when they'd sort of get worn down but now I'm sort of repurposing them going back to ones that are sort of not worn out and like now I run a tire until it's down there's no tread left on it I pretty much run it until it's totally gone when the holes on top, the four holes on top of the tread are no when there's no knobs in the center tread oh I mean I'm I'm telling you I'm running because nowadays you don't really need the knobs on most tracks you don't really need the knobs in the center anymore so i'm getting like the best of both worlds i was like okay it's good in the center when it's worn down but Mm -hmm. the edge when it's on a dirt track is like okay i'm getting like the best of both worlds here what about the sidewalls because i thought the count three sidewalls were the ones that used to slowly tear and then your tube would start pushing out the side of the the threaded well that goes back to my low air pressure to my you know very easy on the top you know i'm not landing hard yeah Are your spare sets, all of your extras, in like a climate-controlled area or in like... Well, they used to be up in the rafters in my garage where it's like, you know, 150 degrees Ah, in the summertime. But now I have them in the basement and I got them in an order. It's like, okay, I got the new ones over here. Mm -hmm. And then I got them with like the least least worn out to the most worn out. So I'm working from the most worn out ones back. How many tires do you have? 
Would you guess? And my whole Comp 3 stockpile, the last time I counted, I had 38 between 20-inch and cruiser of Comp 3 tires. 38 total. 38 total. So you're kind of running low. On brand new <laughs> ones, I think I have 8 in cruiser and 175 rear 20-inch. That's on top of the 38. Yeah, that's included in the 38. Oh, I got you. I got you. But the way it's going now, I'm never going to live long enough to use those brand new tires. Well, how long are you getting? Well, you said you're repurposing, so it's, yes. it's hard to say how long you're getting out of each pair. Are you still doing two 125s on the front and 175 on the back? On the 20-inch, yes. On the 20-inch. Yeah, yeah, right. Cruiser's 175 on both, right? Just because I like the kids looking at me going, why are you running a big, giant tire like that? Because they don't know. It's like, well... Right. Well, it I was, did that last year. It was sort of cool in the eight, right, until you took that header at Bethel there and almost killed me. Yeah. Hey, what about me? I have feelings too. What? <laughs> what in the well, third, you sort of passed me the turn. turn. I sort of let you go. And next thing I know, you're doing a cartwheel in front of me all by yourself. I was like, that oh. was in the third turn, right? Yeah, you went in low and that tire just caught. And you just yeah, it just folded. Caught, caught the wheel. And the next thing I know, and the bike went up by my nose and over I my head. You only had 35 pounds of pressure in there or 40. Well, you weigh more than me. I do. I'm a little 150-pound little skinny guy. I can get away with stuff like that. I eat that. a lot more than bread and milk. That's why. A lot more. Well, that's, that's, see, now, now you're learning my secrets. Okay. I am. Um, all right, so I'd so say yes, the Comp 3 thing. tires is the thing consistently that I've used the most. Did you use... I know you've always been a square pedal fan, right? So with with cages. I, yes. With croupie cages yes. or... So, did you use SR pedals with croupies at one time? Yes, I or did. was it always. Yeah? Yes, I did run SR pedals for a while. Uh huh. The 110s, MP 110s, or whatever they Yes. Are. With croupies. And yes. then you did. Now you have all croupie, right? Yes. Like croupie, croupie Square. squares. I got you. But I got into this crashing thing because I kept rolling pedals with the rounds. I've always liked square pedals. It's. Yeah. I've gotten used to this. DX shape pedal that it, that I use now, but it's um. So I can answer Matt Dallas's question of one of my worst wrecks. The European Championship in Geneva, Switzerland, in two thousand one. Uh huh. First jump is like a roll. It's like a plateau roller. It's like to a double. So you speed jump up onto a plateau, and then it's a double on top of the little plateau. Oh okay. So I come coming down, ripping speed jump on there, and roll a pedal. Like on the face of the little plateau thing. So mm-hmm. I hit the doubles sitting on the seat, both feet off the pedals going full speed. Oh, Which just means as soon as I hit the first double, it's instant ejector button. Right. And I land yeah. on the upside of the second one, palms out. Which pretty much put an end to my navicular and my wrist there, like on the spot. So I was like, oh. So I was like, well, that stinks. So I, I gather myself, get back on the bike, and it's like, right. okay, I know something's wrong. And from the old motocross guys, if you do that, yeah. not you can see, you touch that little triangle right there. Yeah. That's how you tell if your navicular is broken. You touch that little triangle between your thumb and your... Oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, so if you do that, so I'm getting, uh-huh. so I cross the finish, and I touch that little spot right there, uh-huh. I'm on my knees. Yeah. Just like, you know, it's like, oh, it's like... I, and I have a video of it, so if anybody wants to see a real shaky video of me breaking my navicular. Oh, so I'm in Geneva, Switzerland on a yeah. Friday. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I pretty much sat in a hotel till Monday, till my flight home, uh, like whimpering, just... Not yeah. going to the doctor there. Well, I'm in Switzerland, I'm like, home. what am I going to, you know, what, what are they going to do? Well, yeah, that's broke. 
They do everything in Switzerland. Well, well, the navicular, it's a little tiny, no, there's not you much know, you can fractured, do. but, yeah. you know, there, you know, what you, can do. you know, it's not like my wrist was hanging. It was just, right. you know, hurt and yeah. tears in my eyes, but I was like, okay, so I flew home on Monday, went to my doctor on Tuesday, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. broke. Right. Okay, so he's like, do you want the hard cast or the removable cast? Removable? Well, the little splint with the... No, I'm saying you have to answer removable. Oh, well, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Right. So that was... That's an easy answer. So so that was the weekend. This was on Tuesday. Right. The following week was the Worlds in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh-huh. So I'm like, well, I already got the tickets. I'm already signed up. I was like, I'm going. Right. Yeah, I got, got World 4 with a broken navicular. I brought Mike Seegers with me. I paid for his trip. Uh-huh. He was like, he was my monkey boy. It's I was like, okay, you take my bike. I'm going to wear my brace up to staging. You give me my bike. I'm going to take the brace off. I'm going to get up and race. I'm going to come across the line. You take my bike. I mean, it hurt. The, the, the pain was just... Yeah. And you still got World 4. Yes. I'm well, crazy. that was the year, if anybody remembers, that was the track, the track was just mush. Uh-huh. It was just a total mud, not mud, but the track was soft. Yeah, yeah. So, right. which pretty much brought everybody back to my speed. Right. Because the track was so slow. You're watching <laughs> right. the pros wouldn't ride the track or the pro section because you're going like two miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. There was like a big protest. and Yeah. Right. So it actually worked out good of, you know, the track being soft. It's like, okay, I'm sort of like in the mix here because, right. you know, everybody was, you know, complaining that the track was terrible. But I'm like, well, I'm right. hurt. <laughs> and the track is slow. I was like, "This is great." It's like, okay, I'm just, I'm just with everybody else. So it like worked right. out really good. So getting a world four with a fractured navicular, right. yeah, that was good for me. Well, speaking of pedals, Nick Caparuccio wants to know if you've ever or how you well how how do you feel about clip pedals and have you ever clipped in? Yes, I have used clip pedals. You did try them only because, but I have a bad right ankle. Uh-huh. I've always had a bad... If I hurt myself, mm-hmm. it's my right ankle. Yeah. I mean, if I fell off my house, I'd land on my right ankle. i trip yeah. on my toilet, I'd land on my right ankle. It's like no matter what I do, it's like my right ankle is the thing that goes. Yeah. Only because I ride right-footed forward. Right. So all your weight is on your forward foot. So if you slip, this one goes back, but your right foot is the one that's going to take... You start right foot forward also? I can do both. Oh, okay. So depending... when you jump your right foot forward... Yes. If I okay. sort of practice a little bit, I can jump left foot forward. Right. But I have to get used to the yeah. you know, dynamics of it. I got you. I think in 92, I had an ankle operation mm-hmm. on my right ankle. And then in 2001, like in over the winter, I had an operation uh-huh. on my ankle. Wow. So when you have the operation, your foot, your, your, yeah, my foot, I hurt my foot. Mm-hmm. Your foot has no flexibility. Mm-hmm. So I ran clips and... 2001 oh, just because so they wouldn't curl over the pedal so you'd stay well on a flat unbendable because so, the issue with my ankle mm-hmm. i can't bend mm-hmm. you know i can't yeah see this i can do that uh-huh. yeah, this one i can't do that because it doesn't right. but after the operation the clip was good because it kept my foot like there so i think for that season the whole season you yes you into into o2 i did clips Wow. But once I got the flexibility back in my ankle, uh-huh. the clips are off and I never used them again. Right, right. But, I mean, I see what they do, but for what I'm doing, it doesn't really, I don't need clip pedals. Right. 
if because you're not doing the things we talked right. about, you're not going for a national no. number, you're not going for world numbers, you're you're yes. racing tracks for fun. Yes. You know, I mean, not that you don't try, but you know, it's not. It's for fun. And to answer one of the questions, I sort of answered. Which do, one? do you do I enjoy being called out doing a savage snap? Oh, you know this list better than I do. You've yeah, che- so you cheated. So, <laughs> yeah, so if somebody wants to do that, if I'm clipped in, I can't do that. You know, I need to be on the go. If somebody calls me out, hey, savage snap. I was like, okay, I know what they mean, so I got to be good to go. Right. I can't be clipped in. You know, wearing shoes with buckles on them. You know, I need. Right. You know, I need. I, I need to be like good to go. You know. Yeah. It's, by the way, Paul Esbester says that the Savage Snap is cooler than a Leary. And actually, you know, I was looking at a picture they're, of They're different. Leary, Leary they're totally different things, though. I was though. just going to say that. Right. That's what I was getting at. It's, it almost like looks like his foot position is all wrong, and he's actually his knee is getting in the way yeah. when he does a Leary. Not to take anything away from Harry Leary. Oh, it's... It no. was the coolest thing Oh, it still is, yeah. Start, yeah, it just... Because of his foot positioning, it looks like he he can only go so far. Whereas yeah. you figured out how well, to Well, it has no the Leary really has no legs to it. If you watch how he's got his legs on the top tube, mm-hmm. he's not really. You know, he's just sort of the bike. You're flopping the bike sideways, right? More than what I'm doing is I'm like. If you look at my legs, my legs are right, both straight down, just right. you know, totally just locked. You know, position. Right. That's what I was saying. His, his legs, yeah. his, his knees, and the like is, you can only turn yeah, the bar so far. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, what he's, yeah, he's doing, he's just going up and flopping side. You know, he's, uh-huh. yeah, he's, he's kicking it a it's little bit. It's almost like a whip, but with a little yeah, half yeah, cross up yeah, thrown in there. And the bike. But I still think that's so and the just level. Yeah, yes, yes. Because yeah. you're more just whipping the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, Which I think is, I, I don't think it's cooler than what I do. I just, it's, yeah, his jump is like too cool. And obviously, there's it's progressed. I mean, there's oh. people that do amazing turndowns. Oh, well, they do that and a backflip and a no hander 360 all at <laughs> the same time. And exactly. you're like, okay, what, what, what did I just but get I hit mean, in the face with? Really crank turndowns now. And yeah. we were at, I don't know if you remember last summer, where they had the 40 coolest magazine covers. Yeah. So Harry was number two going to the right. Uh-huh. I was number 12 going to the left. Oh, okay. So at the Hall of Fame, I was talking to Gork. I was like, yeah, hey, it's cool how you sort of put those, you know, Harriet 2, me and 4, like we're going in opposite directions. He's like, no, that's how that just, that's how that played out. I'm like, no. No. He's like, he's like, Savage, you're reading way much, way too much into that. I was like, it's got to be. And then I, then Harry's there. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go over and talk to Harry. So uh-huh. I'm talking to Harry. Yeah. You know, he made a comment about one of my jumps somewhere. Yeah. Which I was like, Harry, you responded. He didn't like it. He responded. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that was like the coolest thing I had seen Right. Just that you made a comment about my jump. I was like, cool. But I was like, hey, you like me? You're this way and I'm this way? We're like... On what? What did he respond on? Was it on Facebook or Harry? something? He responded to the picture? Who posted that? Was it? Oh. Somebody was on that... Uh, I think it was on the 80s BMX Facebook page. Oh, the Facebook page. page. Okay, yes, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Okay. But, you know, it was one of those things that everybody was saying this and that. And Harry's yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's a really cool jump. Or you made it like it really right, didn't right. say anything about it. But right. it was like a personal response. And yeah. I was like, it's cool. cool. Yeah, it's like to, I thought it was cool. You know, he thought I responded personally to my little. It's pretty cool that you still idolize him. Or well, he sort of gave me that say. motivation to like, okay, he's in the magazines. Yes, he's yeah. a really good racer. Right. He gets way more coverage doing jumps than. Yeah. 
you know. That's a good point because I think a lot of us felt that way. Yeah. Because maybe you weren't the best, but if you could throw jumps in yeah. during a race, then yeah, that, was, that was cool. Oh, yeah. And so like, I just sort of saw that and I was like, okay, that's cool. I, sort mm-hmm. of, I can sort of do what he's doing. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, when I my early pictures, I was yeah. like that. But somewhere along the line, I started progressing to the more the front end higher version. Right, right. And then it sort of, right. Just you know, from there, just like converted into like okay, my own little thing. Wednesday, mm-hmm. Bethel Zach Itech was like, "You did that on the first jump at Bethel, right. the one from like the photo of the week from like last year." He's yeah, like, yeah. "How did you do that?" I was like, "Matt, standing there with the camera, I got it. You know, it's showtime. I got it. <laughs> you know." Doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's, you know, Whenever that's, Matt or Steve is out there with the camera during practice, doesn't that doesn't that make Bethel like just it just adds to that little extra bit of fun there? Oh, I go there just and for the pictures. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I go there for the race, but I'd go there yeah, just yeah. to get like the one of me doing the nose wheelie from last week. Mm, that yeah, was yeah. my very first lap, and I saw Steve standing there at that little tabletop, uh-huh. and I was like, okay, what can I do mm-hmm. that I? You're right. Because you're going so fast, there. even yeah, though I wasn't right. really pedaling, you're just you know, because it's downhill and you get to push from the step. Yeah, yeah. I was like, nose wheelie. So I hit that nose. If you look, I'm on the brakes uh-huh. and I got my foot and I'm leaning forward. I'm putting all the pressure on my front foot to get the nose wheelie. Yeah, yeah. That's like, okay, because if you look at my rear tire, it's not stopping. You can read Tioga like perfect. So uh-huh. you know my rear tire is not spinning at all. Right. I was like, okay, oh, there he is. I'm just like, nose wheelie. And perfect. Get, and I get, I was like, well, it. hopefully it's good. So I went around, cut the infield. Yeah. It's like, what is it, Matt? Or Steve. Yeah. He's like, it's perfect. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, yes, I can go home happy. I don't even have to race now. I'm happy already. <laughs> but you have to because you got to write down what place you got. Yes. <laughs> so I don't forget. That's right. Matt Dallas actually asked this he question wanted too. Fav- he wanted favorite tracks. And... Well, we talked about worst track. I had asked well, you Well, I never track. answered like the worst track. That but, sort of left me. Well, don't even worry about that. But I had, I had uh, asked, I was going to ask best track and he also did. So, is there a best track? Well, for me, it depends on what track fits my riding style. Because mm-hmm. well, some, like these newer style tracks, they don't fit my riding style at all. Right. Because I'm an old school guy. I want to uh-huh. speed jump everything. Right. Where you lift up before you get to the transition, mm-hmm. you know, roll up and then put the front tire down. But these new school tracks, you can't do that. It does not work at it's all. Both wheels on the ground the whole time. Yes. <laughs> pumping, but pumping, my mind pumping. doesn't think like that. My mind wants to, you know, lift up. Uh-huh. You know, and speed jump stuff. I like tracks that fit my old school riding style. Right. I would think you'd find more of that in the East Coast. And he actually specifically asked favorite East Coast track, Matt Dallas did, and favorite West Coast track. So I always think it's funny that in Connecticut, people talk a lot about, oh, BMX has changed so much. The tracks are, you know, whatever. No. Tracks in Connecticut haven't Not changed at all. They haven't changed, changed at all. <laughs> they haven't changed at all. If you want to race old school, yeah. come to Connecticut because yes. it hasn't changed. No, not it's at all. It's the same thing. No. <laughs> but anyway. Yes, it's changed, but it's still the same. Right. Yes, it, it's, it's like, all right. slightly changed. Yes. But the, the layout's the same. Nothing oh, yeah. has changed. Yeah. 99.9% is like identical yeah, to what it was. Right. And I don't think they plan on changing. Well, With the, the exception the way... of Trumbull. Trumbull's... Yes, Trumbull's changed. Yeah, Trumbull's working hard on it. Um, do you have a favorite East Coast track? Favorite East Coast track? Not not dependent on style, just over the years, does one track just stick out as being like, man, that place is fun? Track I had a lot of fun with that mm-hmm. doesn't really get a lot of thing is mm-hmm. 
Morristown, Tennessee outdoor track. Oh, okay. It's the first straightaway is straight downhill. Mm-hmm. It's the only track I, I think Evansville I changed my gear and I think Morristown I changed my gear. I put a forty-five sixteen on. Oh, okay. And I'm a jumper and I pedaled that first straight at Morristown. Yeah. And it was like the funnest thing, just. Yeah. Because it's like a roller, then it's a step, uh-huh. then it's a table. And right. then it's a big giant table into the turn, and you're going like 30 plus miles an hour by the time you get down to the bottom of the hill. Right, right. So it was just so much fun. The rest of the track was okay, but the first straightaway was just. So it's a pro- downhill track like Evansville, but mm-hmm. Evansville sort of winds. This just goes straight down. So you do like fast tracks? If it fits my style, yes. What about Cole Canyon? Remember that? Wasn't that fast? I do remember. I did terrible at the national every year. Oh, me too. But when it went to a local, when I, you know, when they were done for the nationals, when it outgrew that location, I liked going to local races there. That place was fast, though. Did you go there when they moved the the gate up the road? I know when we went there, the gate was was down the bottom of the hill. Oh, okay. They moved the gate up the driveway. Okay. So where the gate used to be, that used to be the first turn. It was alongside a highway, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Wasn't highway? Yeah, yeah, so if people are throwing trash out their car, driving by in the freeway, and hitting you in the head when you're at the moto boards. Can you think of a favorite West Coast track? So we'll take that. Yeah, but I'm not, but, you know, I'm not saying Morristown, Tennessee was my favorite track, but it was a track I liked just because I was like, okay. We just do it as a track that you like. It doesn't Yeah, well, like I said, favorite. I've been to 533 tracks to pick one specifically. I was like, okay, I'm... That's true. Yeah, sorry, Matt. We're not going to nail that one down. No, um, well, like I said, West Coast. There's a lot of tracks that, like Mike Redman's track, uh, Paris BMX, because it has a bridge. Right. That's like they they have like a really good first straightaway. There can't be many tracks with bridges left. There's more than you think there are. Man. So yeah, I like yeah. Paris BMX. I like that just because it's different, and all right. the pros ride there. So right. you know, it's not sketchy. It's like okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has a really good first straightaway. It's got a big, crazy overbridge where it's all... Right. Yeah. I got you. So, so yeah. there, there you go. There's your West Coast. Yeah, well, it's not, about, like I said, not really my favorite, but it's right. like, okay, if somebody said, you want to go there? I'd go, yes. I wouldn't even hesitate to go there and put laps in. Right. And then lastly, uh, international track. To close out Matt's questions. Um, favorite international. And this was Ben Atchison asked this, too. Yeah. Um... I like Blue Dens, Austria. You're the only one that's going to know anything about Oh, this. yeah, so I, I can't even explain it. It's like, all and right. Now, look, I think I may have one Australia, uh, or I'm sorry, Austria uh, follower yes. of the podcast, but. Yeah. Hi, Josh. It's him, Josh Hayes. There you go. Anyway, listen up, Josh. Yeah. Is this track still around? Yes, it is. What's it called again? Blue. Blue Dens. Blue Dens in Austria. It's on the Switzerland. Austria Liechtenstein border. So if anybody knows where Liechtenstein is in Europe, <laughs> just drive through Liechtenstein. When you get out of Liechtenstein into Austria, you're there. All right, it's an easy one to remember. I'll, I'll remember when I go. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only takes like five minutes to get through Liechtenstein. Right. Tom Johnson has a bunch of questions, but I'm just going to shout them out. Thank you, Tom. And let's see. Let's let's go with a question. Time we got a bunch of good questions, but we are we've been going a little while here. So I'm gonna say he's got a good question. What which what has been your favorite bike through the years, uh, twenty inch and twenty four inch and included each one. Um. Right now you're riding S and M's on custom made S and M bikes. 
Oh, they're both custom? Yes, they are. Oh, okay. Only because I know what exactly what I want, so... Would that mean they're your favorite bikes right now? Or, uh, at or the moment, yes. Over time? Because they match. Right. You know, so I can ride 20-inch or cruiser back and forth, you know. Right. And they got the same rear end. The rear ends on the bikes are the same length. Exactly. Right. right. Handlebar, hard is, handlebar height is the same. Seats are the same. So I pretty much made... Just feels like the same bike yes. pretty much. Yeah. If you don't look at it, you really I really can't tell which one's which. That's why I stopped racing cruiser. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. They were two far different bikes. Yes. Just way different. And it, the, the cruiser just felt... Just didn't feel right. Uh, you were you were riding a TNT in a yeah, and there's nothing wrong with the TNT. FBM, so you do you have like to, totally different. Right, yeah. right. It wasn't a fault of the TNT. It's just no. it, if I had a t- a 20 inch TNT with the same geometry, then it would feel the same and I'd be yeah, okay. Yeah, that's like so I just figured it out and said, oh well, it's you know. Whatever. Yeah, for my style, the S and M's didn't really match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, people like short rear ends nowadays. Yeah, on their bikes, which. Right. I for don't. my manual style, I need the longer stability from the longer rear end. Where are you at? Like 14? I'm at 15 and a quarter. 15 and a quarter? Yes. Holy cow, I'm at 14 and a half, 14 and three quarters, and I thought but, mine was long. No. That's why I can manual. People are like, why can you manual? So it, it's really tough to get to that point. But once you once get there, there, you're, you're there. In. You're there for the rest of the day. Oh my god! These little short, twitchy rear ends. Oh yeah, you can get there real easy, but you can't keep it there. The first year, I, I rode a thirteen and a quarter. That little was, trail bike or whatever you had. It was, that? A, it was a Colt. All, All right. right. Yeah, but that's yeah. more of a dirt jumping. Oh, yeah, yeah. Street it's, bike. It's dirt than, street. Yeah. Yeah. But so you don't really need. I made it work, but it was definitely. Yeah. You know, you you pull up. And oh yeah. That. That tipping point, literally, that tipping point was yeah. a, was a lot quicker than yeah. than the bike I'm on now or or yours, for sure. Yeah, I think I got that crazy idea from Terry Tennant back in the day when he had oh, that MCS the, the with 40, the... 40, uh, oh, 40 I don't employees. know what. I rode that bike that when he was on MCS, when it was MCS crit plate, I rode uh-huh. that bike. Oh, man. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. It's like, it was like trying to do a wheelie on a tandem. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you pull your arms out of your socket trying to... Right. So, like I said, if you ride my bikes, you'd be like, okay... It's really tough to get the front end off the ground, but like I said, right. it's... Oh, here, we'll ask Tom. Tom has a, another good question. We'll squeeze this one in. No, I don't um, like white bread and Pepsi, even though Joe just took a picture of it a little while ago. <laughs> white bread and milk we did. Oh, white bread. Okay. Yeah. I stand corrected. Right, right. Um, why didn't you ever turn pro? He's the one that asked that. And I had the same thought, but I'm glad Tom mentioned it. Um, I never really thought about it, but... By the time I was really starting to do good at the Nationals, where I was like in the mix with those guys, mm-hmm. was right about the same time that I started getting the magazines for being a jumper. Right. So, as I found out, people remember you for being a jumper more than winning a race. Right. It's true. You know. Yeah, definitely true. You know, so, just for me, I was like, okay... The people who do the jumps, uh-huh. you remember that. Right. Okay, if Timmy Judge came to your track back and they did his one-footed flatty, you remember that. Okay? If Harry Larry came and did his, you know, Larry, you remember that. You know, if any of those guys came and did their, I mean, that's what you wanted. You ask anybody that day what place they finished in the race, they'd have no clue what place they finished. I couldn't tell you where Tim Judge ever finished. Well, actually, I can. He, he won the Worlds he, in 1980 yeah. there with the Shimano jersey. Right, right, like, right. In, same, in Hutch, I think. Yes. Same thing with Todd Lyons. Yeah. Okay, Todd Lyons did one of his crazy antics anywhere 
you remember that like right it's like okay Todd Lyons won the world in Orlando other than that you know if he did a backflip or he did a 360 or he did one of his crazy things I'm like I could, I could name you know I can remember the day and what I was wearing what color socks I had on yeah. when that happened you know so it's like okay right people remember antics they don't really remember race results I was like right so once I started getting the magazines, the racing was like, well, who cares about racing? Nobody remembers that. People remember, oh, race, you know, doing tricks. Right. Well, that's like people remember me for doing a savage snap. Mm-hmm. People find out I've won a UCI World Championship. They're like, they scratch their head and go, you won the world? Right. I was like, I've made the podium at the Worlds seven times out of eight mains at the world. I mean, I've had eight world numbers. But, Seven of those eight world numbers are podiums. But this is what everyone remembers, and I'm holding up the BMX action with. Well, that's what I'm saying. People's you know. like, "Oh, what do you do to worlds?" It's like, okay, I've made the main. I've had eight world numbers and seven podiums at the worlds. Right. And I've won once. People are like, "Really?" They don't. But but people remember that from 30 years ago. Right. They're like, "Oh yeah, we remember BMX action." Okay, you were world champ, and you know, yeah, rainbow jersey and all that stuff. I'm like, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. So so why struggle even harder trying to make a pro main rather yeah, well, than Yeah, well like just I said I never really even thought about going pro. It was more like Right. Okay, I'm having fun doing jumps and getting my picture in the magazine and yeah. you know, being known for a jumper then mm-hmm. you know. I mean I still did race and try to do as best as I could, but right. I was like, Well, I'd rather be a show off than Right. You know, because people remember even to this day it's like, Okay, I show off more than I what is it? May not end of April. I went mm-hmm. to a grand opening at Cajun BMX in Lafayette, Louisiana. So second round cruiser, I sort of had a gap on the guy to be to make the transfer. So I was like, okay, the other guy was winning, I was in second, and I had a gap from the guy in third. I was like, I think I can main you the whole third straight. So I come out of the turn, there's a little step jump, I had to like roll mm-hmm. that. Right. And then I nailed the rhythm section and the double into the turn. I did the whole third straight into mm-hmm. the turn. I was like, well, let's see if anybody notices that. Yeah. You know, right. not smugly, but to myself, right, right. just like, okay, yeah. I wonder if the crew, you know, cause sometimes people only watch their children, you know, they're whoever they're there with. Sure. Yeah. The rest of the day is like, that manual is like the coolest thing we've seen. How did, how did you manual the whole straightaway like that? I'm like, well, uh, that's sort of what I do. It's like yeah, right, show right. off and just, right. you know. So that was the most important part of your weekend. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for, I wanted somebody to post a video of it. Right. Just because. I wanted to see what it looked like. I was yeah, like, right. okay. Right. But like I said, I like doing, you know, stuff like that. Or right. People call me out. Especially if they call me out. People call me out on it, I'm all for that. Yeah. You know, Challenging you, you mean? Well, people that sort of know it are like, hey, man, you're the whole third straightaway. That's what I mean. Challenging yeah, yes, you. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, not, not sarcastically, but, right, right. you know. Right. I forget where I was. Somebody said, yeah, let's see a manual around the turn. And I went around the turn. I manualed around the turn. The guy was like, I can't believe you did that. I was like, well, you called me out, right? He's like, I didn't think you were going to do it. I'm like, well, you know. It sounds like you've lived your life like that pretty much. Um, Ground Chuck, Isaac McRae, he wants to know who is the most underrated rider and who is the most overrated rider. Who did you ever see ride that just never got the credit they should have? I think Darren Waterbury is definitely one of them. I mean, two super super class titles, 20-inch in cruiser against the guys he was. Mm-hmm. I mean... I would agree with that. Yes, Henry Wilk, you know, he's part of the, the Wilk right. 
team there, but right. he, he should have had. He should have had more opportunities. Yes. Yeah. I mean, was, I know he didn't really want him, but he definitely. Right. Well, he was pretty loyal. Yeah. For yeah. Sure, well, but, yeah. No, I'm not faulting yeah. him for that, but he definitely. Oh, no, no, I'm not faulting him. But it was just okay. He I just was, think that's a reason. Maybe, maybe he stopped himself. Yeah. Well, he could have. Did he yeah. have offers that you know of? Did he ever get any? I, not that I. He 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 had to have. He got injured a couple times, but yeah. But I don't think that's what stopped him. Who is overrated? You're gonna have to throw someone under the bus. Yeah, I really can't think of anybody off the top of my head that. Yeah. Either locally or nationally, or just anywhere that was. That was given more attention than they really deserved. That's that's kind of tough, but. Um, yeah. Well. Well, like I said, sometimes you got to take the opportunity that are dealt to you, so you can't mm-hmm. really fault anybody for getting, yeah, you know. Right. I mean, I did it with the magazines. So like, okay, you know, Super BMX led the BMX Action. It led the BMX Plus. The league, you know, you sort of had the... Right. Uh, do you still ride trails, ever? If they're old school trails, yes. The new type stuff that's so steep and deep where there's no margin of error, no. I got you. Because I've got the old school racer style. I, right. I don't float and do the arc anymore. Right. I'm more like straight across the transition. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do that up, float it, you know, right. just let it and then come down. I'm more like speed jumping. Right. Well, I, the, the transitions are so steep nowadays. You right. can't, right. you know, my old school mentality. And I'm, I always hook the rear end too. Mm-hmm. I don't land total nosedive committed. Right. You know, I'm always, you know. Right. Not that I've really done anything big. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't really say that. When's the last time you rode trails? I uh, wasn't really racing trails, but on Easter weekend I was in Florida. Uh-huh. And I was at the Sarasota 44-year anniversary uh-huh. thing. And so they have the Elite Hill, the big 8-meter hill. Right. And Lane 7 and 8 has like a little bridge across it. Uh-huh. So I'm there like... It wasn't during the race. It was between the clinic in the afternoon and the race at night. So right. there wasn't really anything going on. There's one guy up there riding. Right. I was like, well, I've never done an elite hill. Right. It's like, oh, I think I'll go roll the elite hill. Uh-huh. You know, because there's a bridge across the bottom. Right, right. I was like, okay, so I'll do that. Uh-huh. So I did it once, and I was like, I think I'm going to go back up there and do that again. Yeah. So I went up there. The first time, I just rode the brakes the whole way down. I was yeah. like, okay. So I went around, got back up on the hill. Yeah. And rolled it a little bit more. Yeah. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. There's something weird happening to me. Yeah. So I went up there again for a third time. Uh-huh. You know, I got a little bit... And I'm not really jumping, you know, because there's a little bridge there. Sure. So I started doing it. And I got into this weird situation where I was really... I was... Part of me was, like, really scared. Uh-huh. But the other part of me, it was so thrilling to do. Right. The Elite Hill... That I started rolling it. They weren't running the gate. Right. But I was just rolling the elite hill. Uh-huh. And like, and maybe quartered away, halfway jumping the first jump, which is, I know exactly how far it is because I got a picture and they got the distance, you know, chalked onto the takeoff. Oh, really? It's 36.5 feet, the first Whoa. jump. Wow. So I started rolling the elite hill. Uh-huh. Like, I started just, like, free rolling. It just, like, a crank to get off the deck. Yeah, yeah. Down the hill. Right. And hitting the first jump. I wasn't trying to jump the hill or right. jump the 36 gap. I was just, right. you know, going to where I go and just sort of 
Landing on the safety yes. flat. Yeah. I never really tried to jump it. Mm-hmm. But it was like one of the coolest experiences. Yeah. Because I've watched all these races in like Chula Vista and like sure. the pros doing the big eight meter hill. But I never right. really thought about what's happening. Right. You know, just watch them come down and, you know, the right. pros, the elite women and all. You're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But to actually do it. Right. To see what, you know, what actually physically happens when you're on that hill. Right. Because the first part, it comes out maybe to the 30 foot line and it has a kink. Right. When you're on the deck, or when you're on that top part, gravity's sort of pretty straight down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, front to rear tire. Once you get past that kink, the gravity goes full forward, free fall forward. And the G-force at the bottom of the hill is like the craziest thing I've ever experienced. How much the bike compresses when you come down the hill and hit that first jump. Uh You're just, you're loaded so much. It's like, okay, if I hit this thing and try to jump it, I don't know what's going to happen. Because it happens so quick. Right. Where you're like, yeah, I'm on the deck, I'm on the deck. And the next thing you know, you're hitting the first jump. Like, it happens. The acceleration is so quick coming down that hill. It's it's hard to explain unless you physically, I mean, roll mm. it. Not like ride the brakes where you're going mm. two miles an hour. I mean, I mean, right. you're on that deck, you hit that kink, and you're going thirty plus miles an hour in like two seconds. Wow! Like, and you hit that jump, and you compress that first jump. Like, and I'm a little skinny guy, so I'm not strong enough to like, uh-huh. you know. It was, but it was, it was weird. I was scared, but mm. I was thrilled at the same time, and I had this internal battle with like. Okay, I want to do it again, and I just kept going around and around. Finally, I had to pull the plug on. I was like, okay, I'm getting way too comfortable. If I mess this up, I'm done for. Mm-hmm. Because there's no bailout. Right. I mean, you're going 30-plus miles an hour, and you're going to hit the deck or hit the face that is the other side. Or if you just come down the hill and you screw up and you go off-center of the little little practice ramp they got, I was like, okay, I'm a guy in my 50s on a cruiser doing the elite hill in the middle of florida on a sunny day by myself i'm like okay but i just yeah it was just way too cool so yeah yeah i never really tried to jump it at full speed i sort of like half and half did and yeah but so now well did did it give you a better appreciation of oh yeah way more because well like i said you watch it you don't really know what happens it happens so fast that's what i'm saying when you physically get up there and start doing it yeah yeah you can drag the brakes but i mean the freely to really roll the hill, yeah, yeah. and it does, it feel how look much is, it doesn't look like thirty six or thirty seven feet when they race it because it goes so fast. Yeah, well, like I said, that first jump at Sarasota has the you know mm-hmm. it's sprayed right on the jump, and I got the picture and I've zoomed in yeah. on it. it says thirty six point five. Right, right. It's like a roller coaster when you get to the top of the roller coaster and it gets to that free fall and it's a, but the roller coaster that's exactly how the hill feels. God. It's so much fun. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I just wish I was I was like 20 years old so I can actually hit that thing. Like, yeah, I think I, I could jump it if I can get used to the speed that I'm hitting the jump. Right. I mean, I think if I could get used to that, I could jump it. So that but then was, common was, sense was, takes over. It's like, okay, yeah, you could, but so if we, something bad happens, you're done for. You're just, right. you know. So we were talking There's gonna about be a fifty-two-year-old bag of bones laying on the side of the track, just going, "Ah, oh, I have to fly Lifestar in there to get me out of there." Navicular ankle. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so we were talking about when you last rode trails, but this is a this is you're saying that's kind of like 
the same risky type of thing. Oh yeah, was as trails would be messing around with jumping or the first jump on an eight meter held pro section, right? So yeah, otherwise you haven't really touched. You've been in the woods, we'll say, in in a while. No real trail. Tra- I think I did yeah. Hamden, but that was long time. Yeah, early two thousands. So old Hamden. Yes. And I went down in flames there, and then I pretty much, nope. I did the old yeah. hook the rear tire on the, mm-hmm. and then nosed into the next one, because I was, you know, I, I hooked you. the one before it. Right. And then I, you know, lost all my speed and went. I got you. Like cartwheel. So you just, you're smart about it. You choose your battles. Yeah, you get old school trails where, you know, the transitions yeah, yeah. are more mellow, where I don't have to, like, be nosedive committed. Right. You know. Yeah. And if I screw it up, right, there's a bailout route. Mm-hmm. Not just stuff where they dig a pit where it's like, okay, yeah, okay, this is where you're going to be buried. We're just going to put the dirt on top of you because you're, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, there, there are some trails out there. Trails are changing too and they're, they're more accommodating. So they have, yeah. they're starting to build in sections that are more intermediate. Yeah. Which helps. So yeah. there's, I can go to trails and ride more than I used to be right. able to in the very beginning. Because in the very beginning it was all... It was all over my head, yeah, and it was risky, and I was getting hurt. So anyway, um, well, I don't need to do trails anymore. So right. that's you know, right. I'm not afraid to say, okay, yeah, that time has passed for me. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I could ride tracks. Yes, I could do tracks and do all the jumps. The same thing I could do on trails, but right. I was like, okay, I'm a little more, you know, I, I could you. control a track better than trails, where I'm like sort of out of my element now. Mm-hmm. It's like, I oh, yes, you. I could still do it, but I was like, okay, I know to. The risk factor is like, okay, you're going to screw it up. Right. It's just when. Right. You know. I got you. There's less of a chance. Yes. You'd like to say there's less of a chance when you're racing. Well, I know trails where I can have that sudden, okay, I'm going to case something and stop like instantly. Right. I'm going to case it and just, okay, you're stopped to ejector button. Right. Or you're going to stop to face plant or you're going to stop to a fractured leg or an arm or a, you know, so I'm like, well, I don't really need to take that. Right, that's fine. Hey, everyone's got their own, their own opinion of it. There's nothing wrong with it. No, like I said, it's you know, I just got to remember I'm a guy in my fifties and I don't, yeah. you know, it's sometimes my days. Are, my days of being a hero are like past me. It's like it's a track. Yes, I'll do all the crazy jumps and manuals right. and turn downs and a little one footer. I did it Bethel last week, about three inches off the ground there. Yeah, <laughs> that was a cool picture. Though. Okay, Matt Borges. He asked about the Westfield National in the 80s. I remember that. the jump. I do remember that. A couple that. people I talked to remember that. And you rode until until your wheels completely... Yes. A lot of people yeah. remember that. Hey, if there's anybody out there that has pictures of that, let me know. I want to see pictures. Yeah. Well, Not that anybody really had cameras back then that much, but uh, yeah, you never know. Somebody pictures of a lot of stuff. Yep, I, I remember that. But I remember I got a flat tire is what caused the issue. Yeah. So I rode on the rim. Yeah. Is what is what is what he's talking about? So I rode on the rim because yeah. there was a whole crowd of like 20, 30 people there, and we were all jumping. I was like, "Well, I'm, you know, what part of the now? show here. Yeah. I was like, I can't do be stopped from a flat tire, so I'm just gonna keep throwing it up and jumping." And so I had a flat tire. I still had the tire on the rim, but it was you know as flat as can be. I ripped the tire to shreds. You know, <laughs> the, the, the rim was beyond. Like I said, like he said, the bike won't even roll. When I was done, you couldn't even roll the bike. So I went back to the shop that night, relaced a new wheel, put a new tire on, new tube, then showed up the next day, and I think I got like fifth in the main or something, 20-inch. All right, I'm going to ask you something somewhat personal. 
Give me a common misunderstanding about you. Is there any any way that you feel like you're not understood? Let's say in, t- yeah. in this era, we'll say. Or does that, do, or do you feel like you're understood? No, well, a lot of people don't like, you know, they don't know why I don't do nationals and stuff like that. They think I'm like afraid to go and get beat. I was like... That's exactly what I'm talking about. You're answering it exactly. Yeah, it's like, I'm... okay, I don't really, I don't have that motivation, to, you know, right. to go there. I was like, okay, I've done that. I don't really need to go back and... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's like, okay, I don't really, it, it doesn't interest me. Right. I don't have that motivation to like, oh, you're going to a national. I'll be like, oh. Well, you know what? It all comes full circle to the beginning of our conversation because really it sounds like people that would ask you that question don't understand that you've right. already done that yeah. and your focus has changed to well, and, knocking off tracks, yeah. you know, a, new, a new goal. This is your new nationals. Yeah. You know what well, you're doing Well, the, the thing I see is everybody complains about the price of it. Right. Oh, my gosh. I was like, yeah. okay, you're complaining about the price of it. I'm doing something different. I'm racing local races. Okay, you spend $500 to go to a national. You're probably spending less I can, money. I could race for a month doing local races on $500. Right. You know, so I'm like. Right. Teach his own. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I've already got all the national numbers and world numbers and nag numbers and. I mean, it'd be cool to do it again just to make London Wilmot happy to say, oh, you got a number in four different decades, but... Oh, he's in your head. Yeah, well... He's in your head now. <laughs> Thanks, London. Oh, man. Now no, because I saw on his Facebook thing, he posted a picture of me and him racing, and he's ahead of me, and I'm sort of like doing a, like a start and a savage snap behind him, and right. I think Derek Johnson said, hey, he's coiled up, he's ready to do a snap behind you, London, and it turned into a thing about me, and London was like left in the, <laughs> everybody was talking about me behind him, and London was like, oh, no one's talking about me. Do you, um, well, this is another kind of serious question, do you, what do you feel like you've, you've sacrificed, not that you regret, Right, uh, but what have you sacrificed in your life to do to to live your your BMX life the way you have? Because right. to me, your BMX life is it's a lot of time. Right. Yes. I mean, you're gone a lot. You're yes constantly moving. So, what do you, what sacrifice? What do you sacrifice to do uh, that? I never get to buy a new vehicle because <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Af- well, I mean, yes, right. I could afford a new vehicle, but yeah. it's like okay, I've I've never bought a vehicle from a dealership. Right. So I've never paid and paid. Because you know you're just going to destroy it. You know, well, not that, just the payments on it. It's like, okay, financing it. It's like, okay. Oh, I see. So I buy beater cars that I know that are reliable and you can drive a million miles. Mm -hmm. So I always buy used stuff that are, you know, the insurance is cheap. Right. You know, there's no payments. It's Mm -hmm. paid for. So I don't have, like, brand new, nice, shiny, Mm -hmm. you know, modern technology. Right. So there's things. Even though I'm driving a 2012 Chevy Impala or whatever I'm driving at the moment, but still. I got you. Well, last year you were driving a Taurus. Taurus, yeah. I'd still be driving the Taurus if it didn't burn the valves out and the engine pretty much. Quite a common Taurus problem. Yeah, but I put 200,000 miles on that Taurus in six years. Oh, I got you. So. How how about um, about personally, like uh, career, relationships? You know, well, I've always I've, for, I've always worked at a bike shop, so yeah. that's always worked to my advantage. Mm-hmm. Because when I worked at Connecticut Bike, I worked there for twenty two years. Sure. So that worked in, in gym race. So that was you know, and he sold BMX parts and accessories, and uh-huh. so that was part of the deal. It's like okay, me racing that was good for business. Right. You know, it's like okay, Mike buys. Oh, where's Mike buy stuff? Oh, he buys stuff at 
CT bike. So let's go to CT bike. And, mm -hmm. you know, so he was always, you know, they were, you know, everybody there was always cool with, okay, Mike's racing. Uh, yeah, it stinks because he's gone. So somebody's got to do the work, but it's right. cool because it's good for business. Right. So that always worked for me. And then I went to Rad Roms in Shelton and, mm -hmm. you know, the same way. He was a BMX shop. He didn't really sell. Right. Eventually, yes, he did sell road bikes and mountain bikes, but same right. thing. It was a BMX shop. Right. Right. And then I went to Cycle Fitness in Monroe, and that was the same thing. I was like, okay. Uh -huh. And you've obviously kept your your finances within within yeah. reason. Um, yeah. But all this is enabling you to to do these things that yes. you want to do. So that's the sacrifices. Yeah, I don't have my own house, or yeah, well, I don't have a brand new car, yeah. or whatever. But yeah, well, yeah, nothing. the way it sort of worked out with the whole how that all worked out with mm -hmm. you know whatever works the family said well like i said doing my mom passed away and then mm -hmm. my dad's like 88 years old and right when my mom passed away he like transferred all his property to like you know he just didn't want his name and anything so technically it's so he doesn't have to deal with it yes so you don't have to deal with it when right passes. yeah right deal yeah. with it now instead yeah so when he passes away whenever that happens it's just mm -hmm. okay yeah it's already in, your in my name, ready to go, so nothing happens. Yeah, so I say living at home, but you're you're living, helping your dad out, and yes. you'll eventually just... Well, he's 88 years old, so right, right. Yeah, he's, he's still... Yeah, you're lucky he's been He's still kicking around, morning. but, you know, my mom passed away a long time ago, but, mm -hmm. so... And you have two brothers, right? I have four. Four brothers? I had four. I have three now. One passed away. Oh, okay. A long time ago. And you're the youngest, aren't you? I'm the youngest, by five so years. So you got three other brothers living, and there's one other brother that passed. Yes. Wow, so there were five boys in your family. Yeah, when I was a kid, we didn't really understand that, but now I look, I was like, five kids. It's like, okay, Mom and Dad, don't you know anything about... <laughs> Do I need to teach you? <laughs> oh, yeah, and it was like I said, as a kid, you know, they're like, five kids, you know, because people were like, wow, five kids, and you're like... Wow, it was yeah. four in my family. It was, yeah. It was, I think it was common back then, 60s, 70s. It's, yeah. There were a lot of four, you know, four-kid families... Five was a little more rare, but anyway. Well, here's a good thing I could say about the family thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I've raced for 38 years. Mm -hmm. There is not one member of my family that has ever seen me take one lap on a BMX track ever anywhere in the world. Really? Really. My dad, still alive. He, mm -hmm. he, could, he could break the streak. He could go to a race. He can go to Meriden. I don't think, nah. Yeah. But he drove you to races. I, th I thought my you mom just did. Took oh, my mom, mom did. She did. never left the car. She used to take me to Wilton. She would not leave the car. She never saw the race. Never. She's the nervous type. Oh, I see. No. Wow. But of all my four brothers, my mother, my yeah. father, anybody, uh -huh. no one has ever seen me come off the starting gate in a BMX race or ride a BMX track ever. Does that bother you at all? Not really. No? No. Maybe a little bit? Well, we're all sort of weird anyway, so for my family, that sounds just right. You know, it's like, okay, we're all a bunch of screwballs anyway, so it's like, okay, it. we've never seen your race. And I don't right. know how many races I've been to. I, I mean, I don't know from today, right. but right, right. as of, you know, December 31st, 2017, every race lap I've ever done, mm -hmm. I know that number. What is it? It's... It's 13,144 race laps. Wow. 
motos and motos, motos co- mains quarters semis sixteenths right. like every race lap i've ever done is thirteen thousand one hundred and forty four laps not only is that incredible but no one's ever seen one of them all right so have they ever seen videos or you they must have seen pictures Yes, well, my picture was in the magazines, like that, that BMX action right there. Yeah. Well, my mother's like, well, how do you know that's you? I was like, well, that's got my name right on the thing right there. Because yeah, your, your head is hidden. Yeah, you can't tell it to me. Right, right, right. Even like the table of contents or any yeah. of the magazine pictures where it has my name in the caption. It's always from that angle. It's your like, well, how do you know that's you? Right, right. You know, they're like, you know, it's like I'm trying to twist her arm. I'm like, yes, it is me. It's, it says it right, you know, right there. Oh, man. Wow. Your brothers, they it, obviously none of them raced because no. they would have seen you um they would have seen you race if they raced. Yeah. Um All right, let's let me make sure I'm not missing Ireland. Paul is best has really good questions, but I'm just I'm going to read them, but uh they're they're uh, long answer questions in um he wanted to review generations of of tracks racing and kids. Uh, and also favorite region of the U.S. and the major differences you have seen at at the local level between, say, racing in Wyoming versus versus here. Maybe you could briefly answer that one because that one would be a good one because he's he's looking specifically for are the parents different in, say, Wyoming than they are here? Are people crazier here and more laid back there or, say, Louisiana than here or, you know, Pick your pick your location. You know, what's not, a, or do you find everything pretty the base, much the same? They're everywhere pretty you much go. the same. Yeah. You know, you got your crazies on either end of the scale. You know, you could get your middle of the road people. Mm-hmm. Then you got your crazy that are like way too into it for like a local race with four motos, and then yeah, you know, then some places they're yeah, their people are basically same. Yeah. Get your same cast of characters everywhere. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, you do have your extremes on either side, but, sure. you know, that's like no matter what you do, whether it's racing or anything mm-hmm. else, you're like, okay. It's- and rider attitude, same same thing. You basically have your, your friendly guys, your, yeah. your kind of standoffish guys and yeah. girls, whatever. You know, same yeah, way. some of the tracks, you have the bigger national tracks, you get the guys that are like, you know, yeah, not really stuck up, but they're more... Yeah. All business, you know, they're right, you know, taking it seriously, which yeah. you know, there's no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but they're right. just more not for yeah. you, yeah, right. But that's the you could find that anywhere, I'm yes, yeah, sure. so it's not like a bad thing, but it's like, all right, it's yeah, um, you know, what? not usually the guys I race, but like I said, right. more the younger kids that are why don't, why don't we pick one part of Paul's first question because I think this is uh interesting to him because his kids are younger they're i think uh 15 and like 12 I, I, sorry paul i'm probably wrong on that but um do you do you find that kids from back when you started in 81 till now are much different i think if you take the kids who don't know anything nowadays they're mm-hmm. the same like the new kid that's just coming in they don't know anything about bmx they're like exactly the same mm-hmm. and i saw that at bethel the other night and i took a picture of a kid that had it was great his bike was so yeah he was such a beginner he was so yeah. he was a complete 
verge into the sport. You know what I mean? And it was great. It was awesome yeah. seeing him on the on the gate. So anyway, you're talking about that kid right there. Yes, yeah. That from the 1981 to now, that first new guy that doesn't know, you know, he doesn't have gloves that matches, or he just totally just, yeah, you know. That kid is exactly the same. Wearing work boots. Yes. <laughs> yeah, wearing yeah, wearing work boots and right. You know. So when does it? When nowadays, at what level has it changed, and what does it change to that that you is different than say eighty one? So say a kid take an expert in eighty one and an expert now. What's what's different that you notice? I think the kids nowadays have more information about what's actually going on, like BMX wise. Mm-hmm. Where back then it was like, like I said, when I was racing these guys in the nationals, I didn't know anything about nothing. It was like, okay, I get up there and I'd race and that was the end of that. And then I'd be like, go sit in the chair until I had to go up there the next time. I didn't really know what was going on. You learned about those guys as you raced them. Yeah. Instead of knowing ahead of time. Yeah. Like I said, now these kids have more knowledge of what's actually going on in a race. Mm-hmm. Just because the information is out there, you know, you know. Do you think it makes them think too much, and it makes it uh, so it's it's more calculated because well, they already know too much? Like this guy, the good the good guys can adjust to that, and it doesn't, you know, they're going to be good no matter what. It's the guys that are like not quite there that are overthinking it. Those are the guys that like get in trouble mm-hmm. and get discouraged, and yeah, and the whole thing. I well, I noticed that when I'm racing these younger kids. I was like, okay, the good guys just burn me right off the track, but he's like these middle of the road guys. They're like, okay, but I'm like, I'm thinking through the race where they're like just trying to go as fast as they can to beat me. Right. And then, you know, I end up beating them. And they're like, well, how did that old guy just beat me? Like, right. I was like, okay, because you're like overriding the track, trying too hard, just overthinking the whole thing, not playing, not seeing how the race plays out. You know, right. they're like, they're just thinking in the moment. They're not like. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm faster than this guy. I'll just wait for this spot on the track to pass him. They like try something stupid, which I can right. cover, and then it just like, okay, I beat you. And they're like, oh, how did that happen? Right. I've had instances where guys have run off turns. I can name three instances where like teenage kids have overcooked the turn and went up and over the turn and crashed. Because they were trying so hard to beat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're faster than me. You don't have to like. Right. You know, just, okay, get ahead of me and just keep a pace and just... Right. But they're, like, thinking... Too much thinking. Yeah, yeah they're, like, overthinking, like, okay, I got right. weight. I'm like... Right. No, they don't really know. And, uh, yeah, with social media now, too, they probably... Since everyone puts their best face on social media, they they could build up someone to be... Yeah. Someone that maybe this person isn't. Maybe they're not as good as they look on Instagram or or Facebook or whatever so when they show up to race them they may be overthinking that too right that you know they're just they just happen to post one of their better clips or yeah. whatever not not in a you know boastful way but just because they're just posting good stuff of them so they could be overthinking that too yeah if you only see that if I only post pictures of me always riding great then you're gonna think i'm great yeah and meanwhile when you really see me it's because i posted the best one of 10 i I screwed up nine times before i got that that one picture or whatever it is but that's a that's a pretty good way to look at i like that well i get the thing with the kids you know that don't really know who i am Mm -hmm. they see an old guy 
yeah. on flat pedals with old knobby tires for somebody like you don't even know, know what knobby tires are. Yeah. Okay, a little guy on flat pedals, and I kill him off the gate, and they're like, oh my, and, you know, then they're like, oh my, I gotta get ahead of this guy and try to beat him, and, and they're just like. Yeah, I got that in the beginning. I, I noticed that kids wouldn't talk to me in the beginning, and I actually had to go out to them and talk yeah. to them because they wouldn't. Yeah. They wouldn't. They wouldn't talk to you. But I think there's communication problems with yeah. with some kids anyway nowadays anyway because they don't know how to communicate. But that's a yeah. whole other subject. But yeah. you know what I'm talking about. It's well, I was a kid once, so I can't really fault him for being. But it, but there well, there's definitely a difference yeah. because a lot of kids communicate right by. By text, you know, yeah. by, you know, quick messages through Snapchat or whatever. But anyway, um, I'm gonna finish on a, on a. Uh, a well, we got Ireland. We, we didn't get the. We sort of skipped Ireland. Okay. Remember we were talking about Ireland? We can finish Ireland. Okay. Well. Yeah, because Ireland was the first time you actually did a series over. Well, it wasn't really. It was a race. It wasn't really a series. We had to go back more than once, right? It was a one day thing. It was one day. All right. Tell me the Ireland story, and then I'll ask you the last question. All right, so Gary, who runs the Grippen Park BMX in Endicott, New York, mm-hmm. was contacted by the guy in Ireland. Uh-huh. They hadn't really had BMX in Ireland for 15, 20 years, like real sanctioned BMX racing. Right. So the guy in Ireland contacted Gary uh-huh. at Grippen Park right. to come over and build an indoor track for him because, you know, you know, he was successful here, and just you know, Endicott, New York, is the closest to Ireland for. Mm-hmm. So, right. Gary went over there and helped work. You know, design the track and work the track for the Ireland thing. Uh, okay. So Gary comes back, and I go to Gripen in the winter time, uh-huh. and he's like, "Yeah, I just came back. They just like flew me over to Ireland, and built a track in Ireland." I'm like, "Okay, Ireland sounds good to me." Yeah. And my mother was always like, oh, do you ever race in Ireland? Because I'm Irish and we're all Irish. Sure. No, there's nothing going on in Ireland, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So she had passed by this time, so. Sure. Sort of spoiled that, but. Right. She all thought that was great, but. Right. The time, I was like, okay, I'm going to Ireland. Okay, frequent flyer miles. How many, okay, I got enough frequent flyer miles to go to Ireland, so I'm going to Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't really have a sanctioned thing at the time. They were just like bottom. It was just like a club. Yes, they were trying to get, you know, they were starting from scratch, so they right. didn't really have any real rules or structure or anything going on. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to here to race in Ireland. I'm Irish. I'm pale white. I fit right in, <laughs> you know? It's like, what could be better? Right. So we get there, and they don't really have any classes, really. Yeah. So for the older, the older expert class, uh-huh. the guy who was running it, he had everybody together, and he just like, okay, I'm going to pick the classes. Uh-huh. Not like what your license said. You're like, oh, sure. yeah, I'm sandbagging. I'm like, I'm an intermediate. He knew who everybody was. Right. So he goes, Savage over here. He picked the eight fastest guys in the building that he knew of uh-huh. over the age of 16. You know, yeah. he picked. He didn't care how old you were. He just no. knew, wanted to know. If it was here, it'd be like, okay, Savage. If it was, uh-huh. if this was the U.S., it'd be like, if this was a local race at Bethel, it'd be like, Okay, Savage, Matt Dallas, uh-huh. Anthony Del Vento, right. you know, right. Gunnar Van Steenberg, and just right. pick the eight fastest guys at the track. Okay, yeah. that's the older 20-inch moto. And he did it with the intermediate. He did it with, there was 25 motos. He picked every moto. Just like that. Yeah, well, he sort of knew, well, he did sort of go by ages for the little kids because right, they were right. more, 
yeah. Where, where they should be. It's like, okay, right. so he picked. Yeah. So the way the race ran, uh-huh. it was total points. Yeah. You ran three motos. Right. You dropped your worst score. Really? You, yes. Well, I'm not done yet. Which creates ties. No, I had a, well, I'm not even close to being done. You okay. ran three motos. Yeah. Of those three motos, you dropped your worst score. Okay. You ran three more motos. What? <laughs> and you dropped your worst score. Oh, God, don't tell me you ran three more motos. No, no, then you ran a main. <laughs> okay. But your main score was added from your four scores, or two from the first round and two from the second oh, round. So you took your two best from so the first three. So that gives you five. So that gives you five, but you had to pick, you had to drop your worst one in the first round. Right. Your worst one in race four, five, and six, you dropped your worst score. Mm-hmm. So you used your two best scores, your two best scores, and your main finish right. as a total points overall finish. Wow. So you raced seven races. Uh-huh. You had to do every gate except one. Yeah. You Okay, you're in one, you're in eight, you're in two, you're in seven, you're in, you know, right. you had to miss one. So everybody was, it wasn't yeah. like now where you're like, okay, I'm in lanes. Six eight four. You're always on yeah, like yeah. this side of the gate. You're never. Right. I was like, okay, you. They. He alternated it. So. Yeah. You, you were in one, then you were in eight, then you. It's all it sort of balanced it out. So where right. it's like, okay, this guy has an advantage because it's like, nope, right. you went in every gate because there were seven races, so you got in every gate at least once. You had to right. skip, skip one. So. Right. But the thing I learned, okay, consistency is the name of the game here. Right. Okay, you don't want to win every, you know, win half of them and crash in the other half. Right. So I was like, okay, as long as I run up the front every time, right. I'm in the clear. Right. Of the seven races, I only finished out of the top three once. I got a fourth. Uh-huh. And all these kids were like, hey, how did you beat us? I'm like, okay, when I wasn't winning, right. I was getting third. Right. When you weren't winning, you were crashing and getting eighth. Right. So they're like, oh, that's, oh. So, so this was a one race? Yeah, it was a one, yeah, yeah, yeah it was like a one race deal. Okay, all right. It was a championship, but it wasn't really... I got you. I mean, See, I got a cool little medallion in a little box that says... And you won the overall. National champion, yes. Which they thought was great, because I was like one of them pale white guy up right. there on the podium making a speech. It's like, hey, he's one of us. Yeah. <laughs> did you have to drive on the other side of the road, uh, wrong yeah. side of the road in there, there yes, too? I, yes, I did. And that sucks, because you fly all night, and then you go right into the car on the wrong side of the car. Yeah. Well, Ireland, did, you're, you're, you go to the rental car a lot. You get in the car, and you can adjust them. I know, but Well, first you get in the wrong side of the car. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, you do that a couple times. No, no, I mean, I I went still, like, to the normal oh, yeah. side. Oh, yeah, you do that. You do that they at first couple times. just sit there in a booth and watch and laugh at people every time they yeah. to rent a car. Uh, well, the bad part is not really the driving, it's the shifting. Mm. You know, if you have a standard nah, you know, manual transmission, you're doing it's the exact same pattern, but you're doing it with your left hand. That's the issue. Right, the driving right. you get used to. It's the left hand doing the the H yeah. pattern, like with your left hand backwards. You know, I was like, okay, first, that's that's what's hard to get used to. Being on the wrong side of the car and the wrong side of the road messed with me for a long time. No, what messes you up when you come home and you have to get back on the normal side of the road. You don't know, you're so... That's and, what you, I mean. Your brain goes, yeah, over there you're used but, to it. But, yeah. It's when you come back that's to the U.S. It. and you're like... That's what I mean, it am messed I on with the, me. Am I on the side I should be or am I on the wrong side? For a little while, I was... I had to check myself because I was pulling out of the parking lots on the wrong side of the wrong side of the parking lot entrance when, when exit. Were, when you were here, when I got back, yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there you get used to it. When you oh, come back here, your brains because your brain has two functions now. It's like yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. right hand drive, left hand drive, right, and it right. doesn't really remember 
Okay, am I home or am I dreaming or what's, right. you know, oh, is there man. a bus coming at me and I'm on the wrong side of the road? And That's the only thing I did not like about going there, man. So where did you go? Uh, we went to Northern Ireland, but not Northern right. Ireland. We went right. Northern Ireland in, in Ireland proper. Right. County Donegal. We were up yeah. north. We were way uh, up north. The, the, this track we was south. indoor. It was... Near Dublin? Yeah, suburb, 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 yes, Dublin, Dublin oh, suburb. Oh, yeah, we were way past Dublin. Nah, so we, we, were, we were out of Dublin, but we were more what? One other thing about Ireland. How about the finger wave on the steering wheel? Do you notice that? Everyone just uh, waves I probably finger? did, but I was... Everyone's driving like this, and they just go and put up their index oh, finger. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's their wave. They don't take their hand off the wheel and wave. They uh. just, everyone just puts up a finger. Well, you know, stupid tourists like us are probably there driving on the wrong side of the road. They don't want to let go of the wheel. That's why. Right. So they got dumb tourists coming at me on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> got to be able to, like, serpentine and get out of their way. Uh-huh. All right. I got to ask you the last question. Not that you're stopping anytime soon. How would you like to be remembered by this sport? It's a tough one. Maybe as the guy that was like doing something that no one else was really doing and the way I'm doing it, mm-hmm. you know, instead of doing the mainstream, it's like, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do nationals, we're going to do this, we're going to do the same nationals year after year and do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. It'd just be like, okay, I just went a totally different direction than like the normal pecking order of like how you, I mean, yes, I did do it in the beginning, but then I sort of changed mm-hmm. From being, okay, I'm going to race nationals all the time. It's like, okay, I raced locals. Then I did a little farther. Then I did nationals. Then I did the worlds. Then I started mm-hmm. going from the worlds to international. Then I said, you know, I sort of just changed. Mm-hmm. Instead of just doing the same thing over and over and over. Even though I do the same races over and over again, like Rock Island, Illinois. But I understand. Yeah, but, but still. It's like it's the like, first 20 years to me, it's like you're, it seems to me that your BMX history is divided into 2020 so far because it's only been almost 40 years but the first half was the traditional half yeah. and then you said in like 97 98 is when you really started discovering yes i started doing the world in 92 but i mean when you went yeah. to brighton well, like you I'm got saying, the flyer yes, and, i went to brighton england got the flyer to say right. hey look australia and that opened up a whole yeah. other bunch of possibilities for you so yeah so that but most people wouldn't have done that so that's something that i i would agree people would remember you yeah if you'd like to be remembered that way, I think people would because well, that's, even that's even not back typical. in you know the eighties and nineties, I mm-hmm. didn't really go to the races everybody else went to. Mm-hmm. I went to like Hawaii, right? Right. And people, you know, they used to put your name, they used to put the results in the ABA little newspaper there, uh-huh. and I had guys asking me, "It's like, are you in the military? Is that why you raced to because they show the results? Like, right. the Air Force Base, Hawaii, Mike Savage, first place in cruise, or first place in twenty. It's like, are you in the military? Why are you racing the Gold Cup in Hawaii? Right. I was like, eh, felt like it. Eh, why not? Need a sunburn. <laughs> I'm a pale white guy out in the blazing sun. It's like, ah, yeah, sounded like a good idea to me. But then I raced like the Gold Cup, the like the orange Y. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Know, I had somebody call me up. It's like, why were you at the gold cup at the orange Y? I was like, oh, it's the orange Y. That's why. Right. And it's like, so it sounds like you've experienced. Hey, yeah. There's the, there, I think I told you this trivia question. I exactly. was the last rider on track at the last race at the orange Y. Your moto was the last moto? My or the four, main? 46 and over 
Expert Maine was the last Maine run at Orange Y, and I got last place in that race. So when I crossed the line at the Orange Y... You did on purpose, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. Well, I was getting last anyway, so it didn't really matter. So oh, okay. just making the Maine was the tough part. Oh, okay. I was like, okay, I have to make the Maine. That was like the hard part. I, right, right. You think, oh, it's the Maine or the local race. I was like, no, right. it wasn't a local race. It was... Right. That's amazing. So I crossed the finish line. Mm-hmm. They put the little thing next to my name. Uh-huh. They put their pens down, and no one ever got scored ever again. I was the last rider scored at the Orange Y in the last day. We're going to have to start a Guinness book just for for your accomplishments that are totally different than anyone else's. That's what I went there. Like I said, it's like I think I told, I forget who I told, but I was like, I'm going there. I want to make 46 and over Expert Main. It'll be the last one, and I'll uh-huh. be last, and I'll be the last guy across the finish line. In a race, being uh-huh. scored. Wow. And I accomplished that. We're done. We're done? We covered everything. Yeah, and if everybody's thinking I was smiling during this interview, I didn't smile once. So there was no smiles had during this interview. <laughs> no. No. I, oh, I saw some, but, you know. Yeah, but you can't I'm see it t- on the little video no, thing. No, you here. can't. You can't see you it can't. at all. No, I won't tell you where the camera is hidden the whole time. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for doing this, Mike, because I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. And it worked out pretty good that Bethel rained out tonight because we couldn't have done this at Bethel in between practice and and motos and and after the race. And it'd be midnight. We'd we'd still be finishing up at midnight. Well, the amount of striders to have at Bethel, that works out just about right. 50 last week. 50 50 striders. I mean, I've, had, I've been to races where it hasn't been 50, not racers, there haven't been 50 people there on at the track. Never, and that includes parents, racers, grain, you know, I know. animals, and <laughs> there hasn't been 50 people at a lot of these races I've been to. Yeah, 50 striders 50, with at least 50 parents, but a lot of them had both parents there, so it was that took up a lot last week. I was thinking it's that amazing. they do the striders three times. That's 24 motos of striders on their own. Do they do two or three? I have no idea. It takes, I think they do two. Um, still I could be wrong, but anyway. Yeah, but still, it's... It's a lot. Hey, for stride, that's... It's amazing. Yeah. Hopefully these kids go on to, to pedal bikes. Well, I, t- I, you know? I keep pictures of the, the moto sheets mm-hmm. and cruiser. The next one is five and under novice. Mm-hmm. Had ten riders in it last week. So Usually like seven or eight-year-olds, they, they sometimes have means there, but five and under, that's amazing. Yeah. So that means all those strider kids are graduating. Yeah, they have bikes. to be. That's... It makes perfect sense. Wow. All right. Well, I know we're doing our part at the track because we're keeping people laughing at a couple buffoons riding around. Oh, we're getting the cool and, picture. Uh, That's what we're doing. That's what we're there for. Yeah. Cool pictures. Exactly. That's what I'm there for. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank All you, right. Mike. All right. Thanks, Joe. That was good. Good stuff. Right, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Something I forgot to mention in the intro was the date and the location of the Kevin Robinson Find Your Fight Jam. Most of you may know by now if you follow me on Instagram at gromdad2000, but it is on July 29th all day at the Powder Ridge Bike Park and Ski Resort in Middlefield, Connecticut. So look it up try to make it a plan to be there it's going to be a great time and uh any way we can get support from you benefits the family of kevin robinson which is the only goal of this 
jam. So mark the calendar, help out in any way you can. I greatly appreciate it. And I thank Scotty Kramer for being involved in this one. And I've also got great friends that are always helping out as well, like Groundchuck and others. So mark it on your calendar. In the background, there's a little Van Halen going with the Dream song. And I remember Mike Savage listening to a lot of Van Halen. So this one's for you, Mike. I will talk to you all soon. Bye.